Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the rest of the, my holy trinity, the rest of the K-Fabe crew, Mr. Jesse Baker and Wex Breaking the Lawson. Boys, how are we doing? Doing good, doing great. Feeling really good about this show. This is going to be a really fun one. What a difference 20 years makes. Absolutely. Wex, how you living, bro? Oh, I'm living fantastic today. You know, getting pretty excited for this one all day. I've been really hyped to talk about this pay-per-view and enjoying me a nice beer, having me a little smoke and ready to talk some wrestling. Talking some wrestling. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. These shows are, they are, they both play the, uh, the setup show to WrestleMania, but 20 years apart. It's WWF's No Way Out from 2001 versus WWE's Fastlane from this past weekend. And while they are very different shows for so many reasons, they're also very similar shows for a lot of reasons, I would say. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. This is going to be a great topic. So let's just dive right into it here. Uh, we're going to start with the current product. We're going to start with WWE Fastlane. I actually thought the uh, the pre-show here was pretty solid. Uh, the match between Riddle and Ali was worth watching, I would say, if you get a chance. I mean, don't watch the rest of the panel bullshit because it's always the same thing. But go back and watch Riddle and Ali. It was worth it. It was probably, what, eight, maybe eight or nine minutes, you think? Somewhere around in there? you got to hold that fast-forward button down on the pre-show because there's no way to just select that match. So you just got to right. hold yeah. it down till you get ter- very to uh, But it's great. Hold I thought the match was pretty good. Yeah, I thought the match was pretty good, and then also them, you know, breaking up Retribution is uh, well overdue. It was a bad idea to, to begin with. Maybe not they're fully broken up, but, you know, like, at least there's a lot of dissension going on. Uh, Wex, any thoughts on the pre-show? Uh, the match itself was very solid, better than some of the stuff on the actual card. And if I had to say the, what I thought about the Retribution thing, do you, uh, I want uh, – What's your guys' opinions? Do you think that some of those guys will go back to NXT or they'll just debut on Raw as old characters, new characters, or they'll just keep them as their retribution characters, just not in the group I think, or what? I think Dijakovic stays on Raw but becomes Dijakovic. I think Mia Yim stays on Raw but becomes Mia Yim, and I think the other guys go back to NXT. Even okay. though it does kind of feel like they're teasing the whole Mason T-Bar as a tag team thing. Which maybe they just kind of keep the retribution gimmick and become become a tag team, and I, I hate that. But it seems like what that's what they're gonna do, which sucks. But it does seem like that's probably what they're gonna do. Only okay. The only way that I'll be okay with that is if they change their song to retribution, like revolution. <laughs> or evolu- I mean, like evolution, but retribution <laughs> is a mystery. You want to add that's, to this by you want to you want to shame the almighty power of Lemmy and Motorhead by associating them with this horse shit. Well, that's the only way it'll make this horse shit cool at all. Ugh. Jesse, what do you think about this pre-show? <laughs> I mean, I didn't. You know, I, the pre-show itself was on in the background. The match was good. I mean, I expected the match to be good. Come to find out, Ali's been working hurt since December, apparently. And uh, the entire idea behind him hanging on, uh, this is all dirt sheet shit, but apparently they had said that they were going to be able to have the blow-off for the retribution angle at Mania. So he's just been working hurt and trying to get through and do backstage angles and stuff so they could blow it off at Mania. But now we see that that is not the case. So he kind of held on for nothing, which is sort of sad. I, I don't mind the idea of Dio Madden and Dijakovic being a tag team. I hope if they do that, that they find a different 
methodology and a different way to introduce them and not keep them in that gimmick. I think Mia Yim has a very bright future as Mia Yim. And uh, I don't know what happens to Shane Thorne, man. Poor guy. Doesn't seem to be able to catch a break. Honestly, I think he. Okay, I don't think he was ever really that great to begin with. I think he, he is. Should have went cute, to New Japan with his tag he, team partner. Yeah, he really should have. He should have gone to New Japan. That that would have been the best bet for him. Uh, rumor has it he just found him a Florida girl with a with a peach bottom and decided to stay in Florida, even though it was clearly not best for his career. Um, That'll be yeah. it. Yeah, but enough about the pre-show, man. Let's get on to this first match on the card. It's going to be Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, man, honestly, I thought the match was decent. I didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't too long. Um, and it was, I mean, this is certainly not saying much at all, but it was one of Nia's better showings. I thought she was actually pretty crisp on her spots in the ring, which is literally very rare. Um, that doesn't mean much, but, you know, still. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I, you know, it's only getting two beers, so I'm not getting too crazy. But I gave it two beers. Felt like it wasn't. It wasn't the shits, is what I'm saying. Jesse, what do you think about it? I, I think I hated it mostly because I found it to be a complete waste of time. I mean, I, the, the women's tag titles right now, there is an air of cool no to me. There is an air of cool to me about those when they were still defending them on NXT and stuff too, to be able to kind of get around. I guess a little bit. I still think it's stupid. It's a little bit too much. But now they've introduced women's tag titles on NXT, so it's completely and totally just Raw and SmackDown. I hate this team of Nia and Baszler. It's just not interesting to me at all. Agreed. I felt like the offense was clunky. I didn't, you know, by everybody a little bit. It just seemed something seemed off. And as much as I love Bianca Belair, I'm very much looking forward to that WrestleMania match. That was the ugliest fucking 450 I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was not good. It was not good. She, she like spread out like a frog and fucking. Yeah. I've never. I, I don't even understand how it happened that way. Yeah. I gave it a half a beer just because it didn't further an angle going wow. into Mania. Wow. It okay. just kind of to me was filler in a filler show. Okay. All right. Wex, where you at on it? I mean, this is just WWE repeating the same bullshit over and over. It's like they like this is just WWE repeating the same bullshit over and over like they always do. Didn't we see this on the last pay-per-view? Didn't I come to your house and Daniel and watch this match? Them have this exact match? Maybe. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it was Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler faced Bianca Belair and Banks for the women's tag team titles already once before. I'm pretty sure we already watched that. But maybe, we maybe we did. You're probably right. That's how I'm good. Pretty sure it's just, all I know is they've been re- rehashing the same bullshit, and kind of like he said, the only real thing that the angle progressed is that at the end of the match, Banks slapped Belair, I guess, establishing her as sort of the heel because Belair didn't retaliate. So now it's right. We have that dynamic, but besides that, it was just contrived bullshit. She's pointing at the mania sign, like you said, Nia Jax. Looked a little bit more fluid, but everybody else wasn't so fluid. There were a couple of miscues that ugly 450. Not saying I can do much better, but she's a she trains and that's the shit she does. So, yeah, I can't, I can't either. Um, so what I'll was your overall it, beer on it? A little bit higher than Jesse, but not as high as you. I'll get, I went one beer because, like you said, some of the work is pretty good. I can't fault them on all of it, but the rehashes, the same bullshit, the same stories. You know, I just get tired of seeing the same people in the same matchups over and over again. It's a fair assessment. You don't want to see the same guys or gals in the same kind of 
spot on the card all the time. But unfortunately, that's kind of what we got with the opening match in the 2001 show. I will say it was an absolutely phenomenal uh, intro package. You know, the, 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 the promo packages and everything they were doing in 2001, the height of the Attitude Era, they were just killing it. I mean, their production was on another level. And this is literally the show right before, arguably, the greatest WrestleMania of all time. So, I mean, it, 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 the, the production level was at an all-time high. Uh, what do you think about this intro package, Wex? Oh, man, that was classic 2001 WWF. It got you hyped. It got you ready for the pay-per-view. And I did also like, you know, you got the classic little little bumper intro that they used to have like you know they have the new ones then now forever like i like the old school one the the wwf got me real hyped for it and yeah it did not disappoint awesome jesse what do you think about this intro i thought the intro was great i love the old like digital package opens that go straight into the pyro you know yeah. commentary just like comes right off the cuff and next thing We're you know the theme songs hitting and it's like it's it you don't nowadays it's like they go live and then they go into a package and then they go into a match but it used to be like the package would start it and when they went live they fucking went live all at the same time yeah, yeah. And i really missed that one very strange thing about this show to me that i noticed it threw me off the entire show and i don't recall seeing it on any other pay-per-view but they were constantly floating pictures of the contestants from both main events on the trons like on the sides and so you'd just be watching some match, and all of a sudden, up on the video screens, animated, are pictures of, like, Triple H and Stone Cold during Raven and Big Show. And it kept making me think somebody was coming out or something. I've never seen that. I didn't, I didn't notice Oh, that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Oh, you're talking about the side screens. Because it was, like, yeah. the two side screens and then, like, the main Tron. And on the side screens, they had, like, The Rock come up, and then, like, Kurt Angle come up, and then Triple H, and then Stone Cold. I think it was really just those four guys yeah, over and over, over. Yeah, yeah, but it just kept on going, and I just kept on thinking, like, oh, somebody's coming out, and I'm like, oh, no, they're just rapidly rotating this pro. It was just very odd, but yeah, um, this is one of paper, the one of WWF's very few pay-per-view specials that they ever threw in Las Vegas. I think this might be the first one since WrestleMania Nine that they had in Vegas. They yeah. just didn't, apparently didn't tend to do well there. Um, yeah. Well, and it's when they it's a did, tourist town, you know. I mean, yeah, it's a destination spot. You got yeah. you got a lot to compete with, and WCW did actually crush in the market. Now, WCW wasn't charging for people to go to their shows when they ran Vegas right. Park, though. <laughs> so uh, it's a little bit different. But uh, the package was great. The intro was great. The whole the the Machine Head ripoff theme song, the Bush ripoff, was yeah. all night long. But yeah, I mean, uh, altogether, wonderful intro. Great packages. Loved it. Yeah, I don't know if we can say wonderful and great about the actual match here, though. It's Raven versus Big Show, I guess, for the Hardcore Championship. I mean, uh, there was technically other people in it, but essentially it was Raven versus Big yeah, Show. Yeah, that's how it starts, at least. Uh, I mean, man, I feel like Raven was just taking some straight skull shots, too. Um, and it was it was, it was was hard. It, it was hard to watch, to be completely honest. I felt like the whole match felt like one of those, uh, like... Um, like SmackDown two that was on a PS one, like you'd actually watch the matches instead of sim them. And it's like, I feel like these are the kind of fucking matches that you would literally see, like just pop up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Billy Gunn becomes the champion then back to Raven. Uh, I, I don't know. It was, it was, and then Molly Holly's in there. You know, it was just, it wasn't for me at all. I was never into shit like this. Although I will say the crowd was super hot. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a wonder why the one Billy Gunn never got over, right, guys? I mean, he's uh, in this. Uh, I mean, you go from wrestling the Rock in a main event to opening 
at a hardcore match with like six other people. Um, yeah, I give it a half a beer. This whole thing that was started as Raven versus Big Show. Um, yeah, it was what it was. Half a beer for me. Jesse, where are you at on this one? I uh, I thought it was funny that JR says during this show that Big Show debuted at No Way Out 1999, which is obviously not accurate. It was yeah, St. Valentine's, correct, Valentine's yeah. Day Massacre. Yeah, but it was, the, it was the February pay-per-view. It was, but I just thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I'm a big Raven Mark, and he just... Right here is just the pits for him, man. He never stood a fucking chance in WWE. The depths of Raven. Sure. Yeah. And the look was really bad. I mean, the whole, you know, there's just, Holly is walloping motherfuckers with trash can lids throughout this whole thing. The military press <laughs> drop into the popcorn on Crash Holly was fucking gold. Yeah. Uh, Big Show eventually fucking gets over in his broke diaper looking ass tights with his big old butt. And uh, he like tosses out Billy Gunn in like the weirdest, most fucked up fat. That just looked like it had to have hurt. Um, My very final note on the match was, is this over, please? I gave it a beer and a half. Oh, my God. But here's why. (laughs) It got some folks some TV time and a payoff. It got some Gaga in front of the crowd. Ultimately, everybody in the match did come off looking worse than when they came in, which is obviously not the fucking goal. That's why it's only a beer and a half. But it did kind of it, it. The crowd basically at that point was just like, I mean, you could have fucking wheeled out the cat in China, and everybody probably would have cheered their fucking balls off. So yeah, yeah. I mean. It- I, I can understand the idea that you're seeing a lot of personalities and it's opening the show. So there's not a high expectation and you're getting your bang for your buck, if you will. Like if you bought a ticket, you're going to get to see these guys that you see on TV that you like. I understand that part of it. But I mean, if we're grading it as a match, I mean, come on, bro. Like that's fucking I mean, awful. Yeah. But I mean, the, the beer and a half is, you know, it's the concept and what it did for the guys in it. And yada, yada, yada. Wex, take me there, man. What do you think? I mean, I can't really say too much more on what you guys said, but I did write down literally shit show classic WWF hardcore match. Like, that's essentially what it was. And you're talking about them rough ass shots to the head. I could feel the CTE like from the other side of the screen. It was, and Benoit hadn't even been on the screen yet at this point. And the CTE was at all time high. And like Jesse said, that like toss out thing that he did to Billy Gunn was so, dude, that. That toss out was like the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. And JR was like, literally goes, it was ugly, but it was effective or something to that nature. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was like, it was just terrible. But I will say, I always do like the big show, his choke slam. A lot of people remember it's called the show stopper. And he always, he goes to his knee. Not everybody else goes down to the knee on the choke slam. Yeah, that's so, true. It's a little different. I do like that. But I, I gave it one beer because of Raven. One beer because a raven. I feel like I gave and, it the biggest rating. That's wild. And I thought it was, and like, one thing that I looked up that I was confused, like the ninja person, like the girl that was in the black ninja outfit, <laughs> I looked it up and it was Tori. Like, remember x Yeah, I, 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 kept, I kept writing down Catwoman. I was like, Catwoman came out and gave like. Yeah, I looked Catwoman. that up and I was like, who the fuck was this in like the all black? But it was Tori. And then they said, and then I also read like on her Wikipedia, she was fired like pretty much right after that. Yeah, well, that makes sense because that was the drizzling shits. So, I mean, I may or may not have written weird ninja lady. Weird ninja lady. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Catwoman. Uh, I used to have a nice story action figure with the DX shirt on when I was a kid. I used to like her. 
Ooh, I don't want to. Don't don't want to know what happened to that. Not, not like that. Let's let's not jump like back that. over here to the uh, 2021 show. Uh, there's an Elias and Shane promo in the back uh, that was kind of funny. I mean, I felt like we all kind of saw where this was going, and I for one am a fan of Shane McMahon uh, doing anything on TV and a and a comedic role at least. I think that he's a really good funny heel. He always kind of has been. Uh, but the match here is Apollo Crews versus Big E. And I'm just going to come right back to you, Wex. What did you think about this WWE Intercontinental Championship match? I mean, if it wasn't for the very weird kind of botchy finish, it was a pretty solid match. Like, they, nice work. Another match that we've kind of seen over and over again, which kind of complained about in the first match, kind of annoying. But I do like Hill Apollo. I'm even though he's kind of pushing this, the fake Nigerian accent, even though, cause we know clearly how he actually talks, it's still pretty sick. It's nice. And it's, it's kind of menacing. I like what he's doing with it. And there wasn't anything particularly like too amazing or groundbreaking, but just, it was solid, great work. And besides that botch finish, I don't know. I can't really say to anything bad, except for the fact that even though Biggie won, like Apollo beat him down and gave him three angle slams, like, I just didn't see the point to have Big E winning to have him immediately get his ass whooped after. That's also why my rating suffered to only three beers because that just didn't didn't really work for me. I don't see what they're trying to do there. Like, it doesn't make sense. It just makes Big E kind of look weak. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. I do. I'm also like I kind of like the new Apollo gimmick, even though it's a little, little, little cheese with the Nigerian thing. But I think he's a better heel than I expected him to be. Uh, and I think Biggie has been cutting some incredible promos here lately during this entire this entire uh, program. And I think it's made a huge difference. Um, great shine from E to start. And the verbals were great. A great oh, yeah. pace, great selling. I mean, great like talking spots in the ring. Then possibly the wonkiest finish I've ever seen. And that really did hurt the match. I mean, so I'm right there at three beers with you. I get that they're trying to prolong the story. And I think that it was the plan for Apollo to get his heat back. But I don't think that they finish was just executed properly jesse where are you at on this apollo cruz biggie match somehow boys we made history yet again i'm at three beers um wow it's rare it's rare wow it's kind of one of those weird things you know there was a whole lot of uh i think both guys kind of so to speak got their shit in pretty well Uh, those two apron splashes by big e were fucking sick oh yeah a lot of really great offense during the match. I thought the way they paced it and doing the comebacks and the shines was timed excellently well. I like the Cruz thing a lot. I think that it's just given him an opportunity to actually speak finally and show a little bit yeah. of his personality. E has oozed personality from day one in many, many, many ways, but hasn't had so much of a chance on the mic either. And now that he's getting one, I'm really digging it. I surely to God think that he's going to be in a main event title picture soon. Oh, for sure. Cruz nailed that sick fucking low down jackknife frog splash. That was just like hella air, super tight. I absolutely love that move when it's done right. Yeah, man, the finish, I, you know, commentary tried their best here. There's just nothing you could really fucking do. Like it was just such a weird, I mean, it just kind of looks, it comes, I went back and watched it again. It just comes off like the ref counts to six. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. it just doesn't really whatever they did, whatever miscue happened. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, a draw makes sense to lead to a mania blow off of some kind with these guys. Surely to God, they'll put it on some sort of pedestal because this match has the capability of being really fucking great. Yes, it does. Yeah. On that kind of a stage. Thought the back and forth that the heat was great. The booking of the match and everything was good. But, man, that finish, dude. 
Okay, I will say yeah. one thing is, is she was that worse than Earl Hebner? Just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't blow the damn load, Wex. Jeez. But I'm not. I'm always saying, so think, quick to the finish. Always so. Quick I'm not blown. I'm just saying that that shit was so bad, so bad. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It was Goodness horrible. gracious! All right, let's get on to the uh, let's get on to back to the nostalgia show. It's Eddie and Benoit cutting a promo in the back, and this is still pretty early, Eddie and Benoit. You're still getting those Benoit tights from like WCW, almost like uh, with the little eyes that I—that's what I call them. Like I don't even know what they're—they're they're supposed to be like the perfectly clean rips. What is what is actually supposed to be happening on his? Tights? I always thought they were know? supposed to be animal stripes or something. Yeah, like, like Wolverine, I, like Wolverine claw things, kind of like uh, you know, like the American Wolves do that little like claw strikes, but it was the early versions of that. Okay. All right. That makes a little more sense. Well, the promo was, was decent. It was what it was. These guys hadn't hit their stride. Not that Benoit was ever a great promo, but Eddie hadn't really gotten really where do we, he needed to be on the mic yet, but either way, the match, the next match here is a Chris Jericho versus X-Pac versus, uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Benoit for the WWF intercontinental championship. Um, and Jesse, man, what did you think about this uh, this four-way Intercontinental Championship match here? I mean, I thought the match was really good. Uh, I, you know, for me, it was... There were a couple of things I didn't love about it that happened towards the end. We'll get to that in a minute. But to think about where everyone except for X-Pac is on the card in the coming years from here on out. I mean, the following year, Jericho literally is the final match of WrestleMania as the champion, <laughs> you know, and then in three years, Guerrero and Benoit main events, WrestleMania. It's yeah. got, it's just wild to really watch that the whole way. And X-Pac is out the following year and a half, I think. Yeah. Out of the company. But Waltman got like a lot of pops for me during this match though. I love his stupid fucking, you know, overhyped Kung Fu move shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, Classic dude. His kicks look fucking great. His timing's fucking incredible. You know, Everybody here, everybody's thing that they do was just turned up to the nines. I really like the way this is booked because Jericho being the only like semblance of a face at all. And there's like this slight alliance thing between Benoit and Eddie and the way that they build to how they eventually inevitably go for the every man for himself gimmick and that whole thing. I thought the timing of everybody who like took a powder at any given time was done very, very, very excellently. And it's just kind of one of the like... I don't know. I, I think this might be the best fatal four-way single elimination match that I've ever seen. Just mm. the, in terms of the pacing of it, the way it's booked, the way that they work in between the ropes the entire time, uh, it, 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 to some degree, I hated the fucking run-in. That was the one thing I really didn't like because it's like, yeah, man, we, we yeah, you know, I really hurt the match for me, honestly. Yeah, we've already got you know so much going on here and they really had it balanced in a way that I didn't think they were going to be capable of pulling off, but they did. And I'm like, man, this is fucking great. And like Jericho, I mean, the finish and everything was all great. I really loved it. I gave it five beers. The thing is that run in fucking knocked me down, dude. There was a lot of flash, a lot of wrestling, a lot of story. They did a lot of developmental stuff with all four guys in between bell to bell, but Justin fucking credible, man. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just the run-in for me. I felt like the work was was crisp and, and, and de I mean, definitely good work rate. But I, I honestly felt like there were a lot of stutters. Like, I actually thought some of the, end, like, exits and getting people back into the right spots took too much time and felt clunky to me. Um, I mean, the Benoit-Jericho exchange was probably the best of the match. 
Uh, and then the just incredible, infer- you know, interference just seemed so pointless to me. It didn't add anything to the match. I thought overall it was good. I didn't think it was great though. I mean, I liked the quick roll up win by Jericho, but I went, I only went three and a half beers on it. I mean, it was, it was good. It wasn't, it was, but it wasn't great to me. Um, I mean, may, I'm not a big fatal four way kind of guy, so maybe it was one of the best fatal four ways ever, but I mean, honestly, three and a half beers for a Fatal 4-Way is a pretty damn good rating. So at least I'll be honest, me. I fucking I hate Fatal 4-Way matches. But yeah, it, same, like, same. Yeah, I, I expected to hate this going into it, honestly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, Wex, what did you think about this Fatal 4-Way match, man? I am a little bit somewhere in between the both of you, and I went with four beers. Okay. And the reason I did, uh, a lot, some of the same reasons, the positives, like Jesse said. <coughs> excuse me, sorry. A lot of those moves, like in all the big spots they did, were all very deliberate, and everything was very hard and stiff. Like, they did not hold back on any of the moves. And it was, like Jesse said, not too chaotic for a fatal four-way. Like, the way they had the spots and everything set up, like you said, Daniel, it took a little bit of time on to get set back up on some stuff. But it wasn't just, I wasn't not focused because there was too much shit going on. They still kind of kept me engaged. I love the little spot where Chris Jericho basically gave everybody the walls of Jericho for a second. Just classic. And X-Pac could not catch a fucking break in this match. Every time he would come in and get one positive offensive move, he'd just get his ass whooped. Yeah, he really didn't get any shine. Yeah, literally, he just could not catch a break. And and this was like pre-X-Factor, like the X-Pac heat was building at this point. It was like, it, it wasn't an official thing yet, but this was like... People yeah, were booing man. them, and you could tell they were a little pissed off. And you got just incredible, so that that preceded X Factor Uncle Cracker bullshit is looming among this match. But besides that, you guys basically covered all the same points that I was going to cover. Also, like that ending with the bridge roll up, that was a pretty sick. But I did like the story and the dynamic between Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit in this match, like how they yeah. worked together for a while. They kept trying to work together till it came down to it, and then they were just like, "All right, fuck Let's it." Like, it. yeah. I, I like that dynamic. It's really good. So, yeah, I went four beers on this match. X-Pac, you know, this is the beginning of the end of X-Pac right here, basically. Yeah, well, uh, sadly, I feel like this is way past the beginning of the end of Akira Tozawa back here on the other show. Um, this, isn't <laughs> oh really a, this isn't really a match, but I do want to cover it. It's kind of a weird Old Spice commercial involving the 24-7 championship. And it, honestly, it was funny for what it was, and I popped for it. I actually liked this segment out of most of the 24-7 stuff they did. I, I'm not a big fan of. But actually, like it was almost it almost felt more cinematic than it was, like, backstage pre-tape. Like, it felt like yeah. this could be just one of those weird WWE, you know, um, WWE-focused Old Spice commercials. But then it yeah. turned into like with the twenty four seven championship, and I thought it was good. But damn, man, poor Tazawa! Like, is that golly, dude? That dude is such a great in ring talent. He's so wasted. Um, go watch if you want to watch good Tazawa. Go watch some Dragon Gate or some PWG. Goddamn, the WWE has wasted him. I mean, and honestly, those first two years of two hundred five too. Like, he had some really good matches. Like, yeah, I mean, he was really good stuff. He has but the anyway. best suicide dive. Oh, yeah, he there. really does. He really does, for sure. We also got a little Shane McMahon pre-taped thing, and then Shane, like, cons Elias into taking his spot against Strowman. And so we're just going to kind of breeze past this one, but it, it was a match. So we did ring the bell. It's Elias versus Strowman. Uh, you know, the big shoulder block to the outside was so bad. Like, he just spun around. It's like he was trying to – they were trying to do that, like, Keith Lee, Adam Cole bump thing, and he just, like, 
bumps into him and he just like turns around and then lays on the guardrail. Like what, like, what is, what is that? Like, ah, God, it was awful. Zero beers for me. Absolute dud. Wex, where are you at on it? I am agreeing with you 100%. Zero beers. It was not worth a goddamn even glimpse of a beer. See, this should have been on the pre-show anyway. When they were like, oh, Shane McMahon's hurt, yada, yada, yada. They should have moved this to the pre-show and literally put this match in the Riddle and Ali spot. They, it, I this, agree with you 100%. Have, that would have been perfect. Yeah. And I understand, like, sound a little kayfabe knee injury, but it was just it was just trash. We saw it coming from a mile away. It didn't need to happen. It it literally did nothing for anybody. Didn't make Braun Strowman look any better. Damn sure made Elias look worse. Yeah, agreed. agreed. What else can you say about this shit? Yeah, Besides nothing shit. at all. Jesse, Shitty what do you think about shit. it, man? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I got to back up to that Old Spice commercial. I love that shit. Like, yeah, I thought that was good, actually. Yeah, It kind of reminded me of like an old school commercial spot. Where they would use the wrestlers to like <laughs> license product a whole lot more, like even way back yeah. on into like the car dealership days, but yeah. in like in the Attitude Era, Chef Boy RD commercials and Chef shit. Chef Boy RD, yeah. Dude, yeah I was yeah. about to say that Mick Foley and Chris Jericho. Yes. That's who I was. Yes. Dude, Archer busted through all that deodorant too, man. That shit was fucking choice. I loved it. I don't know. Anyway, the, I uh, want to know who that guy was too, like Jer- Jerry Regular or Jerry whatever his name I was. I like, him NXT. Wasn't it that fucking uh, he? God damn, I'm gonna forget. Like, he looked rock, like a, he he looked like a really happy Wardlow. That's what he name. looked like. Yeah, he did the. He did like the. Uh, he has a really weird name. He did like the air guitar thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like he had like well, a rock and roll air guitar or some shit. I don't know. Boogan, it's What is it? Michael Bugenhagen or something like that. Something real like German sounding and weird. Yeah, but that's him. He was 100%. actually pretty fucking rad. And then they just took him off TV. I don't know. But anyway, the um, the quote unquote match. I mean, goddamn. I put a, a very ballet shoulder block spot because that's kind of what it looked like to me. It was like he barely grazed him and he literally just turned like did a jumping 180 with like bunny paws across the yeah. fucking rail. Yeah, it I made no it. sense. It made no uh, sense. Jackson Riker is a fucking waste of flesh. I wish that motherfucker was off the TV. I they tried to do some like fake out heel tease turn thing to distract. Str- it was just really poorly fucking done. Sloppy offense. Power slam gets us out of here. I also had it for zero beers, man. Pointless filler again. The only intriguing part of the whole thing was Shane. I understand they want to build that to Mania, but man, Shane and Braun at Mania, like. I don't care. Yeah. Oh. No, I don't so we two I mean, two on the green? Two for two I mean, so far? I, I, like, it's two for two so far. I, I mean, okay. I will say that, like, I think that there is going to be something highly entertaining that happens during the Strowman-McMahon match because that's what Shane does. There's going to be an insane bump <laughs> that I will enjoy. I probably won't enjoy his matches, but I'll probably pop for some big thing that he does. Maybe he'll come off the sign or I don't know. He'll, he'll figure something out. Like they'll figure something out. It'll be huge. It'll be good. I'm, I'm excited about that, but yeah, the match and the angle, I don't really care about. Let's jump back over here to 2001 though. Uh, there's a kind of Vince and Regal promo in the back on, you know, Vince kind of telling Regal what to do and, you know, his whole nervous comedy heel Regal routine, which is fantastic. Um, Buster Rhymes at WWF New York was pure hilarity to me. I thought that was absolutely like amazing, especially with his kids and stuff running around. Coming out to live with 
test. Dude, okay, dude. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh my god, so, okay. I have some notes okay. about that. So my favorite thing is Buster Rhymes is there with his kids, right? <laughs> And then Tess gets on, cuts this rough promo at WWF New York about like who's going to be the trash bag hoe or whatever. And it just—he's stumbling through it, just awful, awful, awful promo. Um, he's the European champion, though. Oh God, yeah, because he's that the current European champion test. Has there ever been a championship in WWF history that had meant less than the European Championship? Twenty-four-seven. I, I don't think so. The original women's championship. See, I don't think yeah. so. I, th- I think that we all just. Trash I, th- I think we all just like put nostalgia on the European title, though. Because no, dude, there, there's some it. deep but never WWF titles that we don't even like know that. Oh they, yeah, like, I'm talking about the modern the era, day. though. I'm talking about the modern, modern era. era. Modern era. I think, to be honest or, with you, I don't, like the, title. the fucking U.S. title has not meant shit. For Light a long heavyweight time. championship. Okay, that's light fair. heavyweight championship. Light heavyweight they championship. They put that on Gilberg and then or the, or the cruiserweight title. To be honest, yeah. Well, the second iteration of the cruiserweight yeah, title. Yeah, the cruiserweight the title end. in like 2006. They actually put some shine on it for a while. Like but. Shane Helms cruiserweight yeah. title. That was good. Good shit. That was a good era. Yeah, that was that not was that was not bad. Real good shit. We'll we'll get to that on the show. I'm sure. Uh, 2006 was only 15 years ago, and you know we like those round number anniversary shows. Uh, next match, next actual match on the card here though is Trish Stratus versus Stephanie McMahon. Whoo, Jesse Baker, walk me through this one. What do you think about Trish Stratus versus Stephanie here? I mean, it's like, look, it's not supposed to be a wrestling match, really. You know. Yeah. At this point in time, they still were not selling Trish as somebody who knew what she was doing in the ring, and she didn't. She was green as oh, goose yeah. shit. Yeah. Stephanie's not supposed to look like she knows what she's doing either here. I thought they both really played their parts well. I mean, the commentary during this whole thing definitely got it over for me a little bit yeah. more than it would have otherwise. King has this great line about, it's about to have the three ring circuits, engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffer ring. Oh. <laughs> this is like classic C's dick dad joke, Jerry Lawler. And uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a whole lot of selling going on here. And that's one thing that they're definitely using to make up for whatever they're lacking in the course of this match, bell to bell. I mean, both girls, especially Trish, Trish is just selling her fucking ass off. Speaking yeah. of asses, she just like hangs cheek for like fucking three quarters of the match, which I'm sure doesn't matter about it. Yeah, it didn't hurt the, the entire presentation, but um. They did the good old 2001 Attitude Era thong spot close to the end of the match. Regal with the fucking ultimate heel move, the Regal neck breaker on Trish Stratus, which, by the way, I thought looked great. It did. I gave it three and a quarter beers uh, just because it was supposed to look amateur. And while it did, they both clearly worked their asses off. Nobody fucking phoned it in here. Regal crushed his part. And uh, despite the fact that the angle is a little bit tasteless, you know, that's kind of par for the course in this time. So... You know, is what it is. Wex, where are you at on Stephanie McMahon versus Trish Stratus here? All right, so the match to claim the biggest trash bag hoe of the WWF at the time, I gave it two beers. And I, and the only reason that it got two beers, it would have got just one beer, but right after they announced that test, cut that little promo, they did a little shot where you could download the Rock's custom internet browser. And that popped me really hard, so that just boosted me up a little bit for the match. But I noticed, I don't know if y'all did, there was a lot of people, like cameramen, uh, during this match at ringside with, like, well, yeah. like covering yeah. the entire apron. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, no other match the entire night was like that, but that match, they were Magazine super... Magazine shots, baby. 
And I have the Trisha's asses out uh, note too. And I noticed this was the first "We Want Puppies" chant of the night, which I'm sure this won't. I'm, well, I know this won't be the last. And if you know any shows from the Attitude Era, "We Want Puppies" chants are going to be happening all the time. And honestly, like you said, Jesse, like they didn't phone it in. It wasn't as bad as I expected it to be because, like, they weren't doing like the most technical wrestling moves. Like they were, you know, you could tell they were trying and working and doing the best they could with what they knew. Yeah. And I know they were both pretty green at the time and wasn't that bad for their experience level at the moment. And like you said, that was sick with Regal with the neck breaker spot. <laughs> I thought it was ridiculous. The wet t-shirt spot with Stephanie McMahon, when she just gr- literally grabbed a cup of water yeah. and threw it on her chest. I was just yeah. like, Jesus fucking Christ. This is outrageous. But yeah, it was pretty outrageous. It is what sure. it is. I went two beers. Rock's internet browser hyped me up and gave me that extra beer. But besides, I mean, otherwise it would have been one beer. I mean, I feel like the match pretty much reflects that neither woman was really, you know, quote unquote ring ready. Uh, but that being said, I've seen much worse matches than this one. Uh, and I, I felt like they did manage to salvage it for sure. I didn't completely hate it. I mean, the spanking spot popped the crowd way too much, honestly. Like, it was <laughs> it was embarrassed. I was, like, embarrassed for the crowd. So, I mean, like, listen, like, it's funny. Like, that's a pop. But good Lord, like, that was the pop of the night almost outside of, like, the rock and stone cold. I feel like Trish is getting her ass spanked was, like, literally the top three biggest pop of the night. Next um, to the people's elbow, yeah. Yeah, know. for sure. I mean, overall, though, man, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't hate it. The Regal interference was quality as well. I went two and a half beers, so I was like, kind of like in, in the middle between you guys there on that one. But let's jump back over here to 2021. It's Fastlane, and we're going to be covering uh, the next match on the card here, which, I, in my opinion, Bell to Bell is match of the night. Um, before we get to the match, though, the, the DraftKings commercials were a little too much to me. Like it was like, it was the same commercial every single time. Like at least change it up. Like if you're going to have ads, like, come on, don't, I don't want to see, you know, the same Tide commercial three times in a row on one show. Like I get that they bought that space. It is what it is, but have two different kinds of commercials at least. I don't know. I'm just bitching. And I, got a, I got a comment about that DraftKings shit. So if you work for WWE, you can't play, right? Because you know, all the finishes. Correct. But so they they gotta they you gotta be they gotta be texting somebody to somebody to somebody and there's some dude out there who's getting all the fucking there's like well, don't the same, select it's, them all it's, it's the same probably thing like, don't select them all but it's select, the same thing like, like in NFL like uh, there was a guy that did a like bet on a game that he played in in like 2019 and he got banned pretty much for like a year and a half he's just now eligible to play again from like the 2019 season in the NFL because like. I mean, even if even if you don't know the finish, like you can't you can't be on a team and then bet like against or for yourself. Like you just can't yeah. do that shit. Like I don't know. I mean, I get it's it. It's a little weird. I agree. I agree. It's a little weird. But the match here is Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and take the reins on this one. I I felt like this is inarguably actually match of the night. Um, it was a close call, but I think this is the be- the better actual bell to bell match. I mean, these dudes are just like straight up Clydesdale workhorses, man. And it, they honestly like had really good chemistry. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, for as long as Nakamura has been in WWE, they, they haven't really had a whole lot of Rollins versus Nakamura matches. And, um, you know, this is one of Nakamura's best matches in a while, to be honest. And Rollins is just so damn good, man. I mean, he's still completely, I mean, I, I would, I would literally put him in the top you know, top one or two in the world. I really, I would love nothing to me. The real fantasy match is Seth Rollins versus Kenny Omega. I think that would be absolutely incredible. Um, 
Man, that slide into the German by Nakamura was super sick. That step up that. like back kick thing was stellar that they pulled off. Some really great false finishes. And I actually loved that, you know, like Rollins got a clean win in the middle. And I think we would have predicted that. But they did such a good job with the bell to bell that there was a moment where it's like, hey, maybe they're just going to run this program with Nakamura. You know what I mean? Like maybe they're going to give him a win here, you know. I, I I love the match, man. I gave it five five solid beers. I was really into this match. Jesse, what do you think about Seth Rollins versus Nakamura? I thought it was fucking great. The uh, you know they started it off methodical but not slow, which a lot of people make that mistake. They like they go in and they it's a little like it gets hard to hook into it, and then by the time it picks up, it's like got to be breakneck or you just can't yeah. get the crowd. But they uh, they really to me paced it expertly. I love watching Rollins you know, heal it up on Shinsuke here because, you know, Shinsuke has been kind of just a non-character for some period of time now. And he had the thing with Cesaro and he was kind of a heel, kind of not. And just nobody really, there wasn't a lot to sink into. All I know is this. There were, there were a lot, there were a few too many attempts at the false finishes, like the same false finishing moves to me, like a few too many, like he's going to do a Kinshasa. No, he's not. He's going to do a stop. No, he's not. That, that, you know, I like some of that. Some of it came off as a little bit repetitive to me. The sliding German spot was fucking great. Yeah. And I absolutely loved that, like, the the hook stop into the back heel kick like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was super cool. Yeah. That was and amazing. I, never, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that before exactly. Yeah. And that's always impressive to me. My biggest thing is that it wasn't so explosive that they couldn't have another match, which I, I thought was smart because if they do want to go forward with this, they and can. I kind of hope yeah. that they do. That there's still a whole lot left to pull out convincingly, but it was a good match with a clean finish. I gave it four and three quarters beers. My big thing is this, and here's my hope: if they do continue this program leading into Mania, Shinsuke comes out to the old music. He had the old music. He had the old music yesterday. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. I didn't notice that. I thought no, they, he, they're, yeah. they're trying to give him push. Yeah, they're trying to push him and Cesaro both. Well, if he comes out to his old music at Mania with a crowd for the first time, I think that's going to be a fucking super hype, epic ass moment myself. But yeah, I agree, I agree. I think that could be monumental, especially with that many people, uh, you know, supposedly attending WrestleMania. Wex, where you at on Shinsuke versus uh, Rollins here, dude? Like I said, dude, my first thing it says match of the night question mark solid ass fucking match. Like, like you said, the pacing was great. They Hit all the big moves, all the big spots, but it wasn't all rushed. It, it flowed nicely. It built up nicely. And I like how, basically, this is a great story I like they're telling of, basically, Shinsuke Nakamura is trying to avenge Cesaro from his beatdown or his, basically, I don't know, I guess he whooped his ass on a couple different occasions by Seth Rollins did, but you could tell that he was doing this, and the story was great. The pacing was great. You guys pretty much hooked on everything that I was going to say, especially that thing where he did the trip up with the leg and he hooked it in and back kick. Great. Like, I mean, the fact that Seth Rollins is still being that innovative, you know what I'm saying? Like to go from Tyler Bragg to already being a multi-time champion to still being very, he still works so hungry to me. Like he still wrestles like a young guy. You know what I mean? He's been on top for 10 years now. Like, it's insane. Like this dude, dude is killing. Remember that? It. Like, remember that? Uh, on the one thing on Raw, it wasn't an Iron Man match on Raw, but he did the gauntlet where he went like yeah. over sixty minutes. Yes, yes. He's dude, a beast. Seth, I mean, all right, l- listen, guys. Like, I know I'm a. I'm gonna go ahead and say it, but to me, Seth Rollins is the best in ring bell to bell worker 
today. I'm not talking about 2016. I'm not saying Kenny Omega is not a great wrestler. I fucking love watching him too. But to me, Seth Rollins is always must-see. In a world of where we have very lackluster WWE products, he never fails to be the new quote-unquote showstoppers. Like, he's the new guy. He's the new he's the new guy that you have to watch his match. You have to. Yeah. Like honestly, I don't really care for most people in WWE, but actually Nakamura and Raw ones are two of the people. It's like, yeah. all right, if they have a match on the card, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, absolutely. What was your total beer count on that one? Sorry about that. Four point five. Four and a half beers. Okay. All right. So we're all in the same world. Same ballpark. Same ballpark for sure. Let's see. Uh, let's see how we measured up to this next one over here in 2001, though. Back in our way back machine, another great promo from Vince for Regal messing everything up, uh, and then the package, the promo package or production package for Triple H versus Austin. The pr- the package alone got oh me God. so hyped, dude. Like this is what I mean by like. Granted, like the the uh, I guess the production quality is still there in WWE for sure. And we talk about that all the time. But like the intensity and the right clips to use and the right verbals to use with the music behind it, like this package was so well done. I was so hype. It was almost like it was 2001 again. And I was 16 years old. You know, um, I, I, I man, I absolutely loved this. It's Triple H versus Austin, the three stages of hell. I'm going to throw it back to you, Wex. I know since you're you're a Stone Cold guy, um, what do you think about old Stone Cold versus uh, Uncle Paul here in this three stages of hell? I mean, does it really get much better than this? I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin, as you know, avenging – well, not really avenging, but it's like basically the final blow-off to him because even though Rakishi did it for The Rock, we basically, you know, find out Triple H was behind all of it and all that stuff and getting ran over by the car. And goddamn, what a match. Three stages of hell, even though it's always upset me because I love Austin. I really wish he would have got the win on this match. You, Goddamn, it's amazing. JR sounds like he's about to have a stroke this entire match. He's like, God Almighty! He is just fucking... Going, this is prime JR right now yes. at this point in this match. Yes. That's yes, and that and prime JR makes any wrestling match that much better. A hundred percent. I don't care what you say now about JR. Now JR yeah. kind of like, yeah, he's hit or miss, but prime JR, it hits my heart in the right place. I'm just like, God damn it, this is wrestling. This is fucking wrestling. But I was very disappointed, very disappointed when I heard that disturbed version of the Stone Cold theme. <laughs> And we were talking about big pops of the night. And besides the entrances, the Rock has the Rock has a good pop. Stephanie, Mc, I mean not Stephanie McMahon, but Trish Stratus in the Stephanie McMahon match had the good pop for the the spank. But that pop that Stone Cold got on that Luthez press, it was it was very serious. And the first, I mean, the first fall it was supposed to be a, a all over wrestling match, you know. But they Stone Cold worked his shit and brawl, and as Jr. kept pointing out, whatever. <coughs> Excuse me, Jr. kept pointing out. How he was doing that. The second fall when you get the sledgehammer. I love the ending of that. The double knockout with the sledgehammer and the barbed wire fucking two by four. And they're just bleeding everywhere. And that cage match. Like it's a very slow pace. But at this point they're both fucking completely spent. And yeah. oh my god. But it was so good. Look, they. I mean these are two of the best of all time. Even though Triple H. I uh, kind of didn't like Triple H later in his career, but I did love him early at this time. 
And I, I just can't say enough about this. You know what I'm going to say. I emptied the whole goddamn six pack. I wanted more. I wanted more. I was just, ah, goddamn it. And Stone Cold, uh, I love the one thing that I fucking laughed about the end. They're laying there after the finish, like the whole they both the Triple H falls on them. They're just out. Someone throws a beer can that hits Stone Cold and he sells it, which is <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just thought I just like after this goddamn hell match, he sells the fucking beer can being thrown. Uh, but holy fuck, one of the best Stone Cold matches of all time. So I mean, I'm it's, yeah, it's know, really it's, good. My SB being a mark or what, but. Six goddamn beers, six pack. Give me a twelve pack. Give me the twenty four pack. Give me some of them broken skull IPAs. What, <laughs> Jesse? What do you think about Triple H versus Austin here, man? I had to make a note about the disturbed version of the song too. It's fucking just one of those like. Well, that's three for three. I'll get it out of the way. We all made it. The same it's note. just hard to. It's hard not to notice in this day and age. You know what I mean? It's just like oh. I don't know. Maybe they had. They were in the the bald guys club or something. I don't know. But it was. I. I it's hard for me to imagine Stone Cold being okay with Disturbed being on his theme. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just maybe George Strait, but not Disturbed. Exactly. You know, like maybe a little little, little uh, old possum, old George Jones. You know what I mean? But. Um, I thought Actually, Stone match- Cold is a big fan of heavy metal, if you didn't know. If you didn't buy Stone Cold Metal, the CD released by WWF, back in 99, sure to get back to it, Jesse, I'm sorry. I sure did not. The, uh, the I thought the wrestling match, the first fall, was really good. I mean, obviously, it was a little bit brawly, but both of these guys are. There were a couple of really good moves, though. There was a nasty-looking fucking Eddie Gilbert-style hot shot pretty early on in the match. You don't see the falling arm breaker move all that much. I used to love seeing that fucking move, because I'm like... That's one of the things about working an arm is your standing offense is so limited. So little things yeah. like that. I love seeing the variants. I love seeing that kind of put into play. Austin working the arm. I always am going to pop for that classic figure four reversal spot. I don't really give a fuck what year it is or, you know, it's just, it's always going to get me every time. Yeah. The, uh, the street fight part, I was kind of surprised that they didn't do any sort of like rest period or separation or anything. They just kind of go into it. And when they go in the crowd, the first thing I notice is there's like four fucking thousand million digital cameras, which is so funny because obviously you don't see that anymore. But right when they go into the audience, everybody's got their little digi cams up and I don't know, a little little peek into some nostalgia, I guess. I don't know. I just had to notice that that fucking back body drop table spot was vicious. That was something else. It looked yes. very, very sketchy and dangerous, but, uh, you know, safe at the same time, kind of? I don't know. It's hard to describe. Uh, Steel Cage third fall. The psychology of, like, starting in the ring with a wrestling match and then expanding out into the crowd and getting kind of wild and then moving back in with even more confines, I thought was brilliant in terms of a way to tell the story of how this match was going to come, like, all going to fall down at the end of the day. Yeah. The back and forth was still great here, even though they're gassed, obviously, but, I mean, fuck, they're supposed to be. That's the whole point. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an endurance match. That, like, weird gassed-out stunner that happens looks like the most painful stunner. Like It looks like, oh, God, that one, like, punched me right in the fucking gut. Just the way that he pulls him down and falls with it, it's just a little off, but it just looks extra impactful. Which is great, um, honestly, yeah, yeah. That was great. The, uh, that was the double knockout finish was effective. The fact that he just fell on him, I mean, it makes both guys look better. I did only give it five beers, and the reason is that Austin didn't win it because the way that they outlined, and it's not really about Austin winning, it was the way the offense was outlined during the match. You just see Triple H kind of being the domineering factor in the vast majority of the match, which to me like would have been impactful had Austin pulled out that 
I fell on top of the guy victory at the end instead of Hunter doing it. But yeah, I know that that's nitpicky. Either way, I gave it five beers. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty, I'm five and a half beers on this one. I'm, I'm, I'm almost close to a six pack. I will say, okay, this is, this is literally the only thing. And part of me, like, part of me understands why they did it because you know psychology and all. Well, you see, he was working on the neck the whole time, but there were literally seventeen neck breakers in this match, and it was all. I almost felt like I was playing SmackDown, shut your mouth, and I was just spamming <laughs> the same move so the guy wouldn't get up at the end, and I could just hit him with my finish after I'd stored all my shit up. Like that's what it felt like. Uh, I mean, so th- that's that's literally my only knock, though. I felt like the rest of the match was just. It, I mean, insanely good. This is the height of Triple H's work, in my opinion. Triple H yes. is super hungry, especially as like, especially in this like super believable badass heel role. Like, I, now don't get me wrong, I think he had a great, he did a great job as like the cocky heel and as a chicken shit heel later on in his career. And I think he did well as like a you know kind of a badass heel with the authority stuff. I mean, he's had other moments where he's been great. But this, like, 2001 to 2004 Triple H is easily his best three-year run. And yes. Austin, man, like, we've, ta- we've talked quite a bit about how, like, you know, we're all Stone Cold guys. We all love Stone Cold. We all love his character. But, like, you know, pre-neckbreak Stone Cold was more known for his in-ring work. And, you know, Stone Cold wasn't really known as, like, a guy that's going to carry those big matches. But, man, this is one of them. I mean, even the shit on the outside of the ring that I don't normally like, they just did it so well. Like, they just – and they they could – they were true workers. You know what I mean? Like, they they could really let things breathe. And I know it sounds cliche now. And, like – and maybe, you know, maybe – Maybe people are right. Maybe the times kind of have changed and the same match happens today. It's not the same. And maybe it's just us watching it through rose colored glasses. But damn, I, even if that's the case, I don't give a damn. It was a great match. Five and a half years for me. I, I loved everything about it. Love seeing Stone Cold at his prime. Love seeing Triple H. I thought the finish was great. I forgot about it, too. So it made it like fresh to me. And Triple H getting the win actually popped me because I knew that. Stone Cold was going on to WrestleMania, so I expected Stone Cold to win. So when Triple H won, I like stood up and I was like, "Wait, what? Like, how did that? How did that work with the storyline? You know what I mean? It made me want to watch more. You know? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I always remember Stone Cold losing because, of course, I love Stone Cold. But I think that two people now could have this match, but you it has to be two people on the level that Stone Cold and Triple H were with the the same story that they had at the time, which. That's true. That's kind of hard to pull off. Yeah, like, it really but is. If you have two people on that level with such a deep story, like, but it's kind of really hard to have somebody over as Stone Cold was at this point with him getting ran over by a car due to Triple H and this being yeah. the blow off. Like, I don't think that's. Yeah, this is a build up right show there. to Mania, though, and we have two legit all time main events on this show. And that's something that WWE is drastically trying to recreate here. But I feel like they kind of missed the mark with this next match on the card in 2021. Uh, Before we get to it, there was a cool plug for Rhea Ripley on Raw, uh, which I hear is going to lead to Ripley versus Asuka at Mania. I feel like that'll probably be a great bell-to-bell match for sure. Uh, But then the Drew and Sheamus package here is so dead to me, man. I, I mean, I get the segue angle to get back to Lashley at Mania, but to me, why not book this as like, 
an MVP versus McIntyre thing? Why not get the Hurt Business a little more involved? Why does Sheamus really need to be here? He's not going to have a big prominent role at Mania anyway. Like, he didn't have any really heat going into this whole angle. Like, I feel like the WWE is shoving the fact that they've been, like, friends down our throat. But nobody gave a shit. No one one gives a shit about Sheamus' beef with with Drew McIntyre. That being said, I'm just going to kick this thing off here. Like... The the in ring work or even the out of ring work was not bad, but everything else surrounding this, the booking of it, the fucking Braveheart Ultimate Warrior fuck off makeup that he was wearing, please God learn from this mistake and do not do this at Mania. Please God do not start putting him in Braveheart face paint. Jesus, what a bad idea. Absolutely not. Absolutely awful. He's just not the kind of guy that's already been champion to just switch him to face paint. He's not Jeff Hardy where he's creating his own thing and he's weird to begin with. That's not his vibe. Like, he's supposed to be a badass. Don't make him a Braveheart cartoon. You know what I mean? It does, it's, it's a bad idea. The match was, I mean, the match was, was decent. I just, honestly, dude, all right, I'm going to get all my grievances out here. Like, Sheamus just needs to retire already. Like, I could never see him wrestle again and be happy about it. Because the thing is that he's never been the guy to carry a five-star match. Back when he was still fresh and hungry and every now and then cut a decent promo, could he have some good matches? Yes. I'm not saying he didn't have a good career. Hats off to him. I'm sure he's a great guy, but I just don't give a shit about Sheamus on my wrestling screen at all. Maybe he needs to go to AEW. Maybe he needs to go to New Japan. Maybe he needs to just go somewhere else. But I cannot stand to see him in another WWE pay-per-view at all for any reason against anybody. And the one thing, okay, the one thing that really like t- took me out of this whole match was the damn kendo stick in Drew's mouth and Drew crossed his eyes like it was a cartoon. Like just so 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 bad. Absolute dog shit. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Dud from me. Zero beers on this Drew McIntyre Sheamus match. I'm giving it fucking nothing. Wex, where you at on it? I'm not going to go that harsh on it. And I agree with a lot of the same, like, storyline vibes. But when it comes to what they did, like, I can't deny that they put in the work. They were beating the shit out of each other. They did some sick-ass spots, like the white noise off of the fucking barricade through the table. You can't deny that. And, uh, I mean, the bust of the TV screen thing, when they went through the screens... The little fire, the little uh, pyro thing after it was a little cheesy. It wasn't really anywhere near him, but I can't really fault him for that because, you know, we had AEW had a little uh, pyro botch recently, so it wasn't that bad. But I do agree. I had kendo stick bullshit, which is I also thought that was kind of cheesy when he did the um, crossed eye thing. But I want to say this. This really didn't make any sense. After they built up, you know, white noise through the table and all this other shit. Seamus brings a piece of the table into the ring and like the it, that's part of the finish like after all this big shit like the future shock DDT onto the table is like the the extra thing that after you, the helps you hit your finisher like onto a piece of the announce table come on like that's what really took it away for me because you're gonna have all this other crazy shit but then you're gonna use a piece of the announce table so it only got three beers for me just because they put in the work and beat the shit out of each other, but that just did not make much sense to me there at the end. And like you said, the contrived story part of it, the bullshit that just kind of was forced. But they did they, they 
did some sick shit, but just did not make much sense to me at the end. Wasted, wasted energy, in my opinion. Jesse, what'd you think about it? Man, the uh, can't echo the sentiment on the face paint enough, man. You want to talk about trying to build up some like big baby face dude, and then just completely ruining his aesthetic and making it look like the silliest fucking 1994 Dungeon of Doom bullshit I've ever seen. Like, yes. God, it was so bad. And it's like a minute into the match, and you can't even tell what the fuck it was supposed to be. You know what I mean? It's just smudge. Looks like a fucking Smurf against a goddamn pale drunk. But he also, I don't know if you guys noticed, but he fucked up the uh, sword plunge at the beginning. <laughs> the he like, yes. where you're supposed to plunge it in, it just went yes. all diagonal and shit. And I don't know. It's just that whole thing is so fucking stupid to me. Anyway, I, I guess Vince saw Highlander once. But the uh, the match in and of itself, there was some pretty great offense. There was some pretty stiff-ski work here. Obviously, these guys both are kind of known for that. And since they know each other, I don't know if you guys noticed. Did you notice they know each other? Did you guys get the, get the picture gracious. of that? From yeah. the fuck? I think I saw a package that said something that they might have knew each other at one point. Yeah, either way. I, I think that this is booked because they both have fucking United Kingdom accents. I think that is the sole fucking reason that this program happened. And it's just... Classic WWE kind of stereotype-driven booking, trying to group people together that seem like they're the same or whatever the fuck. The uh, the past thing seemed really forced to me. The whole walkabout of the Thunderdome kind of falls back into that same syndrome of like that TNA match we covered not that long ago with Rhino and Abyss, where it's like you, you just tell the way that they were walking that they were very purposefully yes, going to yeah. hit all these spots. I don't know why they didn't shoot the little sparky video screen spot. But something happened there. I don't know what yeah. it was, but when he fell through, they clearly shot away, and they were just taking, like, wide pans of the Thunderdome as opposed to showing where Seamus fell. Um, he also appears to have broken his ass after that, so I kind of think that maybe he just landed on something wrong because he just kept holding his butt cheek the rest of the match. Yeah. Um, the white noise through the table was sick. There, was, there, there were some moves that were sick, but here's what sucked for me. The white noise through the table... Sheamus's foot also kind of broke the table, like on contact. If you yeah, know. it was like they tried, but there was just something a little off about every single thing they did. Like but the fucking so the white noise through the table happens. They go back in the ring, and Drew all of a sudden hits a future shot onto the table, which fucking clearly he took more of that little table. Oh yeah piece than fucking Sheamus did. Well, I mean, like it was, it was a terrible dude. It was a dumb fucking spot and the Claymore. Which just means that Drew completely no-sold this table spot that the whole match was building to on the outside. It just didn't make any fucking sense to me. I gave it two beers, which is more than I really wanted to, but just out of respect for the fact that the work was stiff, there were clearly a couple of things that went heavily wrong in this match, and God knows what they were, but something that led to these guys not doing what... And Sheamus is capable of having good matches, in my opinion. I much prefer him in a tag team at this point. I thought the bar was great. Agreed. Um... I just don't think that I, I don't give a flying fuck about seeing him in a singles program either. So, you know, is what it is. At least we don't have to see it at mania move on. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we're going to feel pretty much the same about the next match on the 2001 card as well. Um, you know, Austin did kind of get his heat right back after the end of that match with the stunner though. And everybody kind of goes home happy with the little, with the stunner moment, if you will. But dude, the awkward right to censor promo was just awful. And I felt like, I mean, this is, you know, right to censor is arguably one of the worst booked angles or factions ever. But, you know, Taz comes out here to kind of fill Lawler's spot on commentary. And the match on the card here is Steven Richards versus Jerry Lawler. Uh, and I think the stipulation is if 
If Lawler wins, then he gets to show off his wife nude to the world, which I don't, I mean, I don't know if cucking is the king's thing, but I maybe it is. Um, Jesse, where are you at on this whole Steven Richards, Jerry Lawler thing? Um, the RTC promo came off like kind of white powery to me. It was very like, I, I get what they were going for, but if you look at the way that they had their hands motioned in and like the way, I, it was very, I don't know, it was fucking stupid. Is what it was, but yes. the shop zone ad, however, I thought was amazing. They did the little thing where you like somebody you see a picture and then you click on it and then the fucking old school web browser shows up with that shirt. I thought that was fucking dope. As for the match, look, I love Jerry Lawler so much. And even in even in his twilight years here, his punches are still some of the best fucking punches in Agreed. all of wrestling. You got some good shun. His fucking like the cat tie-in leopard print fucking singlet, I thought was just so classic Jerry Lawler and lost fucking Vegas cheese dick. It just worked so well for me. For sure. Um, low blow and two DDTs and still not the fucking finish. Uh, Ivory takes a slam where she seems to land like directly on her fucking tailbone. It looked like it was extremely painful. Yeah. The the finish was just... Bless them. They tried. It was just really oddly telegraphed, and and like, it, it was the timing was just that much off. I gave it a beer just because I I can't dislike Lawler enough to give it zero. I just still like his work. He still knows how to run a crowd. But yeah, I mean, it was filler, and obviously the crowd was let down because they didn't get to see what's her face naked, and that was kind of the whole point of this. So, yeah, Wex, where you out on this one, man? Well, before I give my rating, I'll just tell you one thing that'll probably tell you about this match. I fell asleep during it, and so I had to wake up and, you know, rewatch it, turn it back on because I'd, uh, yeah, because I was so hyped from Stone Cold uh, and Triple H and all that shit, and I, you know, I've had a few had a few smokes and a few drinks, and I was watching it, and before I knew it, this shit just had me straight to sleep because it was boring as fuck. But when I rewatched it, you know, was not as boring as I thought because. I was awake, but Stevie Richards was yelling, <laughs> calling was Jerry Lawler a pervert, and he's supposed to be the heel at this point, but he's just telling the truth, if you want to be honest. It's yeah. pretty funny to me. That is funny. Also agreed. I was just like, I was just like, oh, okay. But the match itself is a classic Jerry the King Lawler match, just like Jesse explained. Like, I, I, I don't have anything more to put on that with, a, you know, a Jerry Lawler match. But we got another We Want Puppies chant yet again, of course, because we had the cat in the ring. We had a lot of like bullshit interference in the end, and the cat's belt shot was pretty awful. It was pretty botchy, pretty rough. And I'm pretty much right there, Jesse. I gave it a beer and a half just because it's Jerry the King Lawler. I just gave it a little extra boost, and that was funny, that little pervert spot. And I, I love Stevie Richards, too. He's he's always been one of my favorites. So We've been hanging one out too much, guys. Beers. We've been hanging out way too much because this is like the third time it's happened on the show, but I'm giving this whole match one and a half beers as well. Um, I mean... Again, like the whole if Lawler wins, he gets to show off his wife nude. That, that just, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. I mean, at least the match was short, and Lawler did get his shit in it, and the crowd did eat it up for sure. I was glad it was over. I was a beer and a half on it. Nothing else left to say after, you know, what you guys already covered. Let's jump back over here to last weekend's show, though. Uh, after we, you know, get ourselves back together from the, uh, the, the Sheamus and Drew McIntyre thing, um, we got a package for, you know, this Orton fiend, uh, Alexa bliss thing. And I will say that like, 
up until this match, I really liked the angle and where they were going with it. And then they did this. And I don't think this was a big miss. I, I feel like they were trying something and it could have been good, but it wasn't. Um, I guess, but it definitely deserves its own rating just because of how, you know, how much it plays into mania and everything else. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it just missed the mark. The creepiness wasn't really there. It became more cheese. Even, even though you could tell it was pre-taped too, there were still some stalled moments that felt like it just took too long. And then, you know, I don't know. I'm not a, like they should have just brought the fiend back as the fiend with the striped pants and all that. Like, I don't I think this like toxic Avenger melted crayon version of the fiend is not not it for me. It missed the mark really big. And then, you know, Alexa gets the pin after the fiend gets him or, or I should say Alexa gets the mount after uh, the fiend. Uh, <laughs> the fiend yeah, pops in. So, uh, you know, she gets the quote unquote win there. But I think if. <laughs> You know, if you get mounted by Alexa Bliss, I feel like Randy Orton really got the win, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, oh, Jesse Baker, what do you think about Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss? I, you know, going into this, I, I was sitting with our, our good buddy Alex Smith. Shout out to Alex. He was uh, watching the yeah, pay-per-view man. via Skype with me. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. He, uh, <laughs> as we're watching this, my thing was, I was like, you know, the best thing that they could do with all of this for me right now is if Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton flat out have a fucking match. Like, <laughs> which oh, that'd I, be great. Obviously, I, love I knew it. that was never going to happen. Yeah. But it was like, with all the production stuff, I, I felt like that they could have taken a lot less time and been a lot more effective by pulling off just some, you know, lights out and she pops up in a different place. Maybe more of the puke shit for a second. I don't know. The fire shit, the fucking trust falling out of no Like, that stuff was all just like, I don't know, man. I hated it. I thought that, that I was really looking forward. To, I love Alexa Bliss. I think that I, I really like her in this role. Um, Me too. Yeah. It's something that she can forever refer back to in her career. Like if, after this whole thing is behind her somewhere years down the line, it can just pop up again. It's a, it's well, a she also has a lot of injuries. I mean, there was, there was question there that she wasn't going to be able to return to the ring at all. So honestly, to me, I don't really think there is much more past this. Honestly, I will say, I mean, I'm not saying she's not going to wrestle at all after this, but like, I don't think she's got like, I think she's got maybe four or five years left. I think even if she stays on in any kind of on-screen capacity whatsoever, that it just adds fair, diversity fair, to, yeah. to yeah. her portfolio and it proves that she can do more than what she's done already. And I think she's doing it quite well. The, you know, everybody is waiting on the moment where the fiend is going to come out. It's pretty fucking apparent that that's what was going to happen. I don't mind. I mean, look, it's just another fucking Slipknot costume. To me, it's the same thing. It, it, it's a li- at least a little bit of a change. I feel like you can only see the one character so many times before it's like, okay, you know, the key to the Undertaker. He continuously reinvented himself. And I think that that's what they're trying to, you know, slowly but surely figure out how to pull off with Bray. I don't hate it. Um... You know, Sister Abigail and then Alexa, man, that like, I don't know that <laughs> apparently that got Randy some heat with his wife. Did oh, you see I'm sure that? I did. Yeah. His wife posted something on Twitter about Alexa, like you might have just fucked up girl or something like that. And then Randy tweets back, maybe somebody sh- or maybe Soldier Boy should tell my wife it's fake. And then he had he deleted the tweet like within 30 minutes. So uh, that's pretty funny. Pretty sure he got in trouble for that one, but eh, it might have been worth getting in trouble for. I gave it a beer and a half um, it, just because it 
it did advance the story. Obviously, we know what we're going into in Mania. There's lots of stuff that's clippable for them to do in their package that they inevitably make at WrestleMania. But overall, it was too gimmicky. It was too long. It could have just been a little bit more concise. Yeah, you could say that Orton uh, dug himself in a hole there with his wife. Uh, maybe with Alexa, too. <laughs> hey, Wex, what do you think about this one? Eh, was not a big fan of this one. I was actually watching this one with my girlfriend, and she doesn't really watch wrestling. And we were like, what the fuck is this? What is going on here? It was just complete horseshit. Here's my notes. I have black shit, fireballs, Freddy Fiendy Krueger, whack. <laughs> okay. That's good. I mean, so so what's your beer rating then? <laughs> well, my, my beer rating for this. Whack beer. I give it a beer. I give it, I'll give it one beer for Randy Orton catching that mount. Yeah, all right, all right, that's fair. That's fair. I feel like I feel like I feel like the rest of uh, the red that deserves males. a beer. That deserves a beer, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like the rest of the uh, the rest of the red blooded male community also uh, definitely wanted to give him a pat on the back for that one. Was like, if you're ever going to do a job and uh, look at the lights, buddy, that's a uh, that's not a bad bad spot to be in. Not a bad virtual spot cheers to, to everybody out there for that one. Hey, hey, there we go. Virtual cheers. Crack one open for the working man. Um. <laughs> Yeah, here we go, man. All right, let's go. Let's hop back over here to 2001, though. Uh, the next match on the card here. Well, before we get to the next match, we have the Brothers of Destruction uh, in the back cutting a promo. And listen, man. Okay, look. I'm gonna say something here that might be a little controversial, but I fucking hated the American Badass promo stuff, man. I thought it was terrible. To me, the Undertaker was like the first dude that like would have been the like. He's like the originator of like the ball sack that hangs off the back of a lifted truck. Like that's his whole gimmick. Like, and I just, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's just like that cocky piece of shit that thinks he's awesome. But like, I mean, I guess he's good. I don't know. It's just, but he was, he was a face. He was supposed to be a baby face. And I, he just came across so heelish. And I did like the dead man ink stuff. Like I like, I liked short hair taker, like in like Oh two Oh three better than this version of dead man, I guess. Uh, Dead Man Inc., if you will. But, yeah, the match here is Brothers of Destruction versus Edge and Christian versus the Dudley Boys for the WWF Tag Team Championships in a tables match. Wex, we're going to snake it right back to you, baby. What did you think about this one? All right, but, uh, yeah, one thing I'm going to say about this match and that pre-match promo, like, The Undertaker had the weirdest gear ever on at this point. Like, his... He wasn't, like, his... Top wasn't like the traditional like singlet regular like tight top that he wore. It was like a muscle shirt like cut off shirt type thing. It was just real fucking weird. I don't. It was very I can't strange. Really it was very strange. It. I just didn't. I don't understand. But anyways, the match though. He had a Kevin Nash gimmick on. He had like the tights on the top, but then like leather pants. He just didn't have the frills on the side. But he was straight up wearing like Kevin Nash gear. Yeah, basically, and he, he had like his his hair was still red, but kind of dyed black on parts. It's like he just let it grow out and didn't dye it again. That's but exactly one happened. thing I'll say, I, I've always noticed this, and I made a point to make the note. Even though it's Edge and Christian, they always announce him as Christian and Edge. But yeah, it's it is weird that he always did that. Yeah, but I, but I love Howard Finkel. God damn it! But uh, anyways, <laughs> the under yeah Undertaker had some weird ass gear. Yeah, he has the he's the goddamn best fucking ring announcer. I love it. He's what I think of when I think of ring announcing. But 
Yeah, I like the the big three way brawl. Like it was just a fucking brawl basically the entire time, and the fans are ta- chanting, "We want tables!" Almost immediately, and it's a goddamn tables match. I'm just like, yeah. chill the fuck out, just wait. They're, Be they're gonna get the tables. They'll get there. It's gonna happen. But I did notice that Bubba Ray, uh, when they came out with those uh, steel chair shots at the begin, like sort of towards the beginning of the match on Kane and Undertaker, he broke the fucking t- uh, chair on the Undertaker's head. Oh, it went flying like man. a part of the chair, and I then he proceeded, that. and then he proceeded to slip on those yet said chairs when Edge and Christian ran up from behind and ate shit, which I thought was perfect. I just I, I laughed on that part, but I re- I like that cool little double power slam spot in the middle of the yeah. ring, and the finish. I thought it was really cool how Christian set up the table, but then they basically used it on him earlier in the match. I want to mention a cooler spot that I think. And you always see in table matches where they're about to go through a table and then someone jerks it out of the way and then they just yeah. eat shit on the ground. We had one of those earlier in the match, which I thought was pretty sick. Uh, I think it was Kane. Yeah, Kane's the one to move the table out of the way on that one. So the Undertaker didn't get put through there on the double suplex. But nice win. Nice little finish there. Nice little setup thing with uh, Christian there. I give it four beers. I enjoyed it. Just classic WWF triple threat tag team chaos. See, when I was uh, when I was a, a wee young lad back here in 2001, I was uh, I was in a little little backyard wrestling federation called uh, XBW Extreme Backyard Wrestling, and uh, we used to have this X-B-Dub? one concept that I've yeah XBW baby XBW, yeah I have uh, I've never I've never seen this concept, but we had a five table like setup around the ring, like. <laughs> And so it's like you had to, like, whoever put his opponent through the most tables would win. So if you got to three tables, you would win the match. Like, to me, that's better than just, like, one table spot. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel Because then I feel like all, there's only so many teases you can do. But I, I like that concept. I just wanted to throw that out there. Jesse, what do you think that's about this tables match? Cool. <laughs> I'm always, like, curious about tag team tables matches in WWF, especially in this era, because they change the rules a lot. Like, there's that classic table elimination tag match yes, from yeah. Rumble 2000 yes. where it's like both members have to go through or whatever. Right. Yes. stays in the match the entire time. I thought that was fucking genius. And if you did something similar to that here, you could have had so many more spots. Yeah. But alas, not what happened. Kane's gear being all black is something I never noticed. Like, I don't remember that at all. The, the no red trim on the tights. Yeah. Or Me either. That's was, weird you mentioned that, dude. Yeah. I, I totally I know what you're talking about. Although that is an alternate look in No Mercy. Like you can get it, his all black tights at that just, exact same. Okay. Yeah. It's just okay. So I, I just I don't ever is there. that in real life. I, I <laughs> like if it's you told me I did this. Yeah. Be like, nope. The um I like the way that uh, again for a multi-man match, I thought that this was actually pretty well put together. Um, they they were smart about like an entire team taking the powder at the same time, so like the out team could still work together to do things yes. like grab tables or set up spots or kind of try and interfere a little bit. But that way, it didn't devolve into a constant three-way of like one member of each team, which right. a lot of these multi-man tag team matches have a tendency to do. Yeah, yeah. The uh, <laughs> the 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 stereo offense of the Brothers of Destruction was off like the entire time. I don't know if anybody else noticed <laughs> that, but they were both the, they're supposed to be hitting moves at the same time. And I don't think they hit one even close no, to the same no, time. Not, yeah. Not at all. The power slam spot was the best one out of yeah. all of them. Uh, yeah. And now even that one was not insane. And I will agree. It was a little, it was like, da-doom. Yeah. Ba-boom. 
yeah. then there's a point where uh, there's a double suplex on Taker. Did y'all notice how close he came to hitting his leg on that table leg? Yes. When they tip him over? Yes. I was, I that I was like, too. oh, my God, they're going to impale the man's leg. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, he's on Mania a month later, so he must be yeah. okay. Yeah, he was on, yeah. The, uh, I hated the run-in again. This is another unnecessary. Oh, yeah, Rikishi yeah. and Haku. Yes. We I go forgot from, about Haku even being in WWE at this point. We go Remember, from, he, no, he returned at the Royal Rumble that we covered. Yeah, yeah, but I thought that was just like a rumble spot. Like, I, I didn't think no, that, that was, was his yeah. return to the company. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. But, dude, Rikishi here in four months' time goes from being the motherfucker that ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin to, ah, hey, we got somebody else that's in your family. Just join another tag team. Here you go. Like, <laughs> I did it for the rock. It, it was it very, you know, and Haku could have taken all fucking seven of these guys by himself. Fuck yeah, he could. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess storyline-wise, it served to get rid of Kane and Undertaker so, you know, you could lead to a different finish or whatever. I thought it was fucking absolutely needless and stupid. But there were so many inventive spots. The crowd was fucking all over this. They popped so yeah, hard for Taker's entrance and the fucking whole Limp Biscuit thing and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought, that shows you how we were as a society in 2001. Fred Durst is also a Nashvilleian now, by the way. What? Um... Anyway, I gave it four beers. I did like it. I, I really wish they hadn't done the run-in. And, you know, any multi-tag team match is going to be a little, not any, but most are going to be a little bit less of a rating probably just because of the way they have to be structured. But for what it was, I thought it was really good. I mean, I I wasn't, I, I did not go that far with it. Um, I, I don't know. For me, I felt like it was all clunk. I, I felt like, I, I think that the idea of having six guys and having there just be one tape, one person go through one table and that's the finish kind of makes it the popcorn match because this is where it's positioned. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you, you got your Stevie Richards and your Jerry Lawler, but you, I mean, you're still going to have to have another come down match, especially after that triple H Austin match in order to have any kind of heat. So while I will say the match wasn't great to me, I do think it was good booking to put it here because you needed that much time because otherwise, if you'd gone, like, for example, if you go straight from, like, you know, Austin and Triple H, then you have this short Richards and Jerry Lawler, people are still spent by the time you get to Rock and Angle. Yeah. So I think having this match here and making it a gimmick match and, you know, like, the focus is on the table and not really the work was what it was. I gave it two and a half beers. Um, but, you know, it was what it was. One thing I want to mention, I forgot to mention that was really funny in the match when Edge did the eye on the table spot. Oh, yeah. Okay, I've noted that, too, and I'm trying to remember exactly when it was because for some reason in my head, I almost kind of thought it was supposed to be, like, towards the end of the match as well. But it was it was towards the end of the match. It was, like, on the latter half. Yeah, I just know that he didn't break that fucking table, and it sure looked like he was meant to. Yes, for sure, because I was like, oh, damn, that was a little rough, but all right. Yeah, let's jump back over here to the current day product, though. And let's talk about the main event we got going on here. It's Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. And, you know, I don't know why I didn't expect much from it. Because, all right, let's be honest. Like, I mean, it's not like Daniel Bryan's the same Daniel Bryan. Or at least he's not been booked as the same. I'm not saying that he's not capable of being the same guy, bell to bell. But Daniel Bryan's one of the guys, too, that I think really is suffering from not having a live crowd. Because to me... Like, it took me a long time to get on the Daniel, Daniel Bryan train because I I honestly believed the things that, they, like, in my mind, he was a B guy. I was like, oh, he's a great wrestler, but he can't talk. 
And like when he got really over, I still I still don't really get that. Like I still don't understand because I feel like he's really bad on the mic for the most part. Like, but he just gets over. So I think 2020 was a bad year for him because he didn't have that loving fan response or even the heel response that he was getting when he was the Earth's champion or whatever. That was a good run too. But I, I feel like he really suffered from not having the crowd. Either way, I thought the match surprised me. But hey, Jesse, what do you think about Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan for the Universal title here? Um, I, you know, I've said it oftentimes. I feel like WWE is doing better with Reigns than they ever have and much better than I expected them to do. Um, it's one of those situations where it'll be interesting to see how a crowd reacts live for the first time post pandemic, because you do always have that fear that a lot of people are going to cheer him anyway, you know, which I don't think that that's what's going to happen, but I could see how somebody might be a little trepidatious about that. But that kind of explains what they did with this match. I mean, there's a long, drawn-out entrance by Roman here. But they really get to wrestling. And you don't see that out of Reigns very often at all. I thought that it was really well executed. The pacing of that kind of reminded me almost of, like, a rock and angle type thing a little bit. Where it's yeah. like, he is conforming to Brian's game, you know. and Yeah. And he kept and, up, too. He kept and, up. Dude, yeah, yeah. And, and not a lot of people expected that out of the guy that really is like a spear and a punch nine times out of ten. So I thought that that was all really well pulled off. You see Roman pulling out some weird shit like a Boston crab. Like, I've never seen that before. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Like, just very, very strange. Him keeping dominance over Brian, I thought, was a really great way to tell the first half of the, the story, the first act, however, of the match, however you want to put it. And there are these like tiny little micro interactions with Edge all the way throughout from both guys that, you know, yes. you kind of expect that from the enforcer role. But yes. they just all kept that tension in the air really well, I thought. Yeah. You build up to a couple of big hope spots from Brian, the the diving front drop kick. There's a scary fucking power slam to the outside that like almost went the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then a couple of hope spots out of Brian. You see the ref bump and you know, okay, we see what's going to happen here a little bit. That that story kind of started telling itself. I was surprised that they involved Uso only because I felt like they would want all of the focus to be on these three. Yeah. Um, but I see why they did it. It makes sense. I see why they, they need did to it, have it, it. though. I don't think you needed to have it, but. I don't think so either, but I, I get why you kind of want to make sure that, that both of the faces aren't just like. Oh, we're not faces anymore. You know, there, there needed yeah. to be a little bit of extra oomph on the heel heel here. Yes. In order That's to kind fair. of help yeah. blur the line. So I, I get why. Um, Roman with the win after Edge interferes, you know, again, Alex fucking called this one. <laughs> like, yeah. All the way. I gave it five beers. The, the feud fuels the story all the way leading into Mania. It leaves some questions. Questions that they still technically haven't answered, although dirt sheets I'm reading that they have and that we're getting a triple threat, which I'm cool with, but um, they haven't said that yet. So who knows? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. much right there with you, man. I thought the match was really good. I was pleasantly surprised by it. Both dudes definitely worked their asses off. I've been on the Reigns train for a while now, um, and I actually love the edge interference, too. I feel like he's actually kind of like teasing that tweener role, like I'll do whatever it takes to get here. I've waited too long. Not quite heel, but definitely not true. Oh, feel good. Edge returns. I want to win it so bad for the people type thing. You know what I mean? Like he's more of a tweener now, like more of an obsession than a passion, which I like from from Edge. I mean, honestly, his best work has kind of been in that either tweener or, to be honest, heel role. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I like this. I do also like the idea of them going to a triple threat. And I do agree. I think that the, the fear is that 
you know, Reigns has been killing it. Reigns has been one of the things that's been keeping this whole, you know, Thunderdome era alive. And, you know, I think that there is a fear that he's going to get cheered really, really hard. And that's why they're making it a three-way match to kind of split those cheers up. Uh, Because that sounds better than, you know, Edge makes his big return in front of people uh, at at Mania finally. And it's, you know, Reigns beats him out as the heel, you know, cheer with with Edge trying to be a true babyface. I also gave it five beers. Wex, what did you think about Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan? I think you guys are going to be surprised because I actually rated this a little bit higher than both of you. Oh, wow. Wow. Only about a half a beer, but I gave it five and a half beers. And I was definitely pleasantly surprised by this match because I didn't actually watch this main event the night of the show. I came and watched it back the next day, and everybody was like, you got to watch that main event. It's pretty good. And they fucking didn't didn't disappoint me at all. Like, they told a really good story. Like, the whole time of the whole first part of – Reigns kept avoiding the submission like he would kind of lock it in and he was like toying with them and I love that shit and like just like you said the way Daniel Bryan's kind of been booked recently hasn't been like booked as that top badass dude but right here they were making him just seem like like if, if you make one wrong move he's gonna fold you up and this shit's gonna be over and it was sold very realistically like you can see the fear in Roman's eyes and they then they really sold it well like Jesse explained of Roman Roman Reigns as soon as he would get in he would just use his power and his dominance to just beat the shit out of him. And it was basically power and strength versus like finesse and speed. Just him being like, yes. Yeah. And being like Michael Jordan going. Yeah. That's in a the sign of great workers Shaq. too. You know what I mean? Like they're both, they're both playing their roles really well. Dude. And then just like J, uh, fuck, I almost said JR because we're talking about the last pay but just like, I don't know who the fuck Corey Graves. I maybe, I don't know. Michael Cole, how, stiff and hard that Roman Reigns made that side headlock takeover look. He just made it look yeah. like little things like that make a massive difference, man. Exactly. Sure. And it just those exactly those little things like that just made Roman strength look like it was just like so goddamn overpowering for Daniel Bryan. But when they but also vice versa with the submissions and everything. But like you said, this match wasn't like super fast paced, but it wasn't too slow and there weren't very many like high spots or anything. But I just absolutely loved it. And I'm typically a fan of the big spots, the flippity doodles and stuff, and you didn't really get much. You didn't get any of that shit. Didn't here. need it. And just like you said, the dynamic with Edge and everything just worked so perfect. And I, the way Edge looked, he looked pretty pissed off. And he hit Daniel Bryan with the chair, and he's the lovable good guy. I've, Edge is turning heel. I'm calling it right here. I'm. I don't think it's I'm full heel. Calling it. Edge is turning heel, and I'm a, yeah. And one of the funniest things about this entire match, Daniel Bryan's trying to lock. He's trying to lock in the the triangle choke or the hell's gate submission that the undertaker used to do. But Roman's, but Roman reigns, his hair was so wet. He couldn't even lock it in. Yeah. It was totally, too greasy and wet. That's so funny. Cause you guys know the classic Roman reigns, the guy with the wettest hair, Roman reigns, you know, the song. Yeah. We all know. We all know. We all know how it goes. It was, he proved how wet his hair could be tonight. And that wet hair just might've actually, Won him the match. Maybe That's it did. Maybe he, maybe as a true heel, he used it as an advantage. Uh, to me, I mean, I feel like I feel like that match is like, yeah. I mean, I feel like that match is like true WWE style. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it 100%. shows that like, hey, this is this is actually what you would expect from WWE, and it's good. And it was felt a little fresh, and like, I'm gives me 
it gives me hope for Mania. You know what I mean? It gives me hope. This is what we needed leading into a Mania card. This is what you, this is your last big thing. It's your first thing on Peacock too, and I know that made a difference to them, um, obviously. So you know, honestly, guys, I'm hyped for Mania. I think that on as you know, that's our last match on the current era show. I think that uh, they've set themselves up nicely to kind of have some pleasant surprises for Mania. But let's jump back over here to the main event in 2001. Um, there was a pretty weird WrestleMania promo that almost looked like a political campaign ad. Like it was all feel good. I kind of expected like somebody to jump through the wall and like hit the family with a chair or something, but like it never went that way. It was like all just like, like, I don't know, like felt, it felt very much like a political ad or like a, like a pharmaceutical commercial. It just felt really weird. Like feel good order WrestleMania. Cause it's a part of American culture and like an American flag waving. And I was like, wait, they're serious. Like that's not like a funny thing. Like, I don't know. It just felt a little out of place. Um, but yeah, I mean, then also we got like a, you know, a classic really good rock promo as, as, as well, cause why would you not give him at least two minutes on the mic before the match? Because he's going to kill it and it's going to be great. And it's going to make the match better. Um, but even before we get to the match, uh, what do you think about the promo and that weird WrestleMania ad, Jesse? Man, the WrestleMania ad was definitely a little out of place. It, it was very, uh, I'm not sure what the fuck they were going for there. Uh, I've tried to put myself back in 2001. I'm like, yeah, I really still don't know. <laughs> it was just kind of strange. But, um, man, that Rock Pro, is there anybody that ever had more crowd command than The Rock? I mean, no. It, Including rock, Stone Cold, no. Peak Rock right here. Literally turns his jaw one way, and the whole fucking audience erupts. I mean, it's the nuttiest shit, dude. And yeah, uh, I mean, yeah no, he's he's yeah. I mean, more. I would say more than Hogan, more than Stone Cold. It's The Rock for sure. It's a very time travel esque kind of thing too. I mean, the minute you see it, you're just right back there. And yeah. I'm, I'm I'm in that audience. I'm popping too. You know what Same. I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. Just absolute electricity through the screen, through the arena. Fucking great. Yeah, man. What do you think about the campaign ad and like this whole rock promo, Wex? Of course, the rock promo was fantastic, and it wasn't as long as like normal rock promos are. And he had the little little clock gimmick going, but it was a very solid promo. And the like you said, that was just a weird. That's all I can say about that fucking WrestleMania ad. It was just weird. Yes, yeah, because at the sense. time I was like, was, "Oh, it's 2001." I was like, "It's 2001." Maybe they're doing like a but whole it's Patriot. February. Exactly. Yeah, it's not, exactly. Not nine. It's pre 9/11. Unless yeah. they knew something we didn't know. Oh, it's not, oh, now we're getting now, dude. I mean, conspiracy exactly. theories run deep, and also exactly. especially, I mean, we all we already like to be worked, you know, because we're wrestling fans. So, Jesus Christ, let's get to the match here. It's The Rock versus Kurt Angle for the WWF Championship. Uh, I mean, it was a great standoff to start. The Rock was just so good at this point, too. Just tons of charisma. I mean, I will say, man, like, The Rock's punches now that, like, it, it was this match that really showed me, like, he just straight slaps the shit out of people's necks. Like, that's what he does. Like, it's not that he's, like, yeah, he's not actually jacking them in the jaw, but, like, dude, like, the left side of Angle's throat was, like, cherry red from, <laughs> like, Rock just slapping the shit out of his neck, like, constantly. Uh, but, man, the match was amazing. I mean, great work rate. I mean, the Big Show thing, okay. I mean, listen, the Big Show thing, the reason why I didn't really take too much away from the match is because it almost was, at this point, both guys were so over that it just helped get Show over without really hurting the match. Because then they both just sold 
and went right back into the match. And to me, it was fine. And all, honestly, it gave Big Show a rub. So, like, if you can pull that off, I mean, you ha- you would literally have to have guys like Angle and Rock to be able to pull that off. But I felt like it actually kind of worked. I mean, I-, I feel like the second half of the match was actually even better. The work rate was so smooth. It was through the roof. A Truly a classic. I mean, honestly, this is probably the best Rock Kurt Angle match, period. Now, sure, we all know about the Rock, like the little wonky finish, but with Earl's count or whatever. But realistically, like they covered it perfectly because they were so fucking seamless at this time. I mean, arguably two of the best in-ring bell-to-bell guys in 2001, The Rock and, and Kurt Angle. I mean, it honestly, it didn't hurt at all to me. Honestly, honestly, that wonkiness almost, and then seeing them be pros and just make it work, six beers. I love this match. I absolutely loved it. It's an absolute banger from The Rock and Kurt Angle. Six beers from me. Jesse, where are you at on The Rock versus Kurt Angle here? Man, I, I, I'm not all the way quite at six. The run-in really did fuck it up for me, to be honest. I just, I didn't feel like it did anything for show. Although, I will say, Kyoto's fucking face during the choke slam is one of the peak moments of the entire show. If they could have yeah. got that another way, I'd have gone for it. But yeah. it, it's wild to think that Kurt Angle's fucking in-ring debut is 15 months before this. Dude, that's you wild. Know? And he had already gotten a world championship reign in between those two times. It's fucking nuts. The um, him jaw jacking to rock just being stoic at the beginning of the match to start it off to me worked fucking brilliantly because normally the rocks, the one with the mouth, you know, yeah, yeah. like silently sitting there and fucking commanding the crowd even more than angle while he's running his mouth. I thought was fucking great. The crowd, by the way, after every gimmick in the fucking book has been thrown at them during this show, you got barbed wire, two by fours, tables, cages, blood, fucking trash can lids nudie matches, all sorts of shit, and they are still hype as fuck by the time this match starts. They're yeah. all about it. And they're all about both guys, to be fair. Um, I did want to know, and I tried Googling this. If any of the listeners know, I'd love to. I'd love some insight. I want to know what security ejected that fan for on the hard cam side. Yeah. In the match. Oh, yeah. I saw <laughs> him getting hyped about that. I was trying to figure it out. I Googled it. Apparently, some other people have that question, too. I didn't dig too deep in down the rabbit hole, but I didn't find anything either. We'll ask Conrad. He'll know. Yeah, I'm sure he probably already knows. The rock with the belt shot kind of leaning into a little bit of a heel thing to lead into X7, even though they didn't go full heel before the match. You know, I kind of see where they're going there. They're trying to sort of give him a little bit more of an edge. The false finish sequences were absolutely fucking great. Angle's intensity during this was just so above the board. I mean, like, he is in this perfect fucking heel role here. I I, I can't say enough good about Kurt Angle in this match. I mean, it was just one of those things that it, it's impossible for me to think that anybody could have caught on to it any quicker than he did at the level that he did. Um, the double rock bottom thing at the end, I mean, honestly, it... it Knowing the story now, it looks weird. I never probably would have even noticed it. You know what I mean? Like, it it, it still was fine. It was a rock bottom. It was a two count. It was another yeah. rock bottom. It was a three count. If down. I didn't know the story, I would have thought that was that was the finish. Now, the story is just funny. I mean, the fact that yeah. just envisioning the rock looking Earl Hebner in the eye and saying, count the motherfucking finish is hilarious to me. But it didn't. Yeah. It doesn't do any. Wouldn't let him raise his hand too. I don't know if you noticed that after after he was like <laughs> yeah. he like dwelled there and wouldn't look at him and like Earl went to like raise his hand and he pulled away and like just gave him the stink <laughs> eye and Earl just got out of the ring. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I gave it five beers. I thought the match was absolutely stellar. 
it was impressive to me that they kept the crowd that hype after this kind of a show. And, you know, you're still following Hunter and Stone Cold no matter what. I mean, I understand and that they did the yeah. directly previous match, but I mean, goddamn, to be able to hold that up, fucking great. Five years for me. I really wish Big Show had not run in. Wex, where are you at on this main event, Angle versus Rock here? I'm kind of in between both of you. I gave this one five and a half beers. And the only go. thing that really took away from me, it wasn't really the run and the running wasn't bad for me. It was just that, that, that fucking count, that Earl Hebner. But the thing is, earlier in the match, he had two really good two-count false finishes that were, like, so close and perfect that were just so good. And at the end, yeah. he fucked it up. But I see, I understand why. It's because he thought it was the first rock bottom. It was yeah. actually the second rock bottom. He got the finish wrong. But besides that, I mean, dude, this match was fantastic. Like, everything that you said, everything they were doing, like, the intensity, the energy before the match even started, like, before, like, and they were staring down, like, the talking shit before, like, The Rock started laying in. Like, dude, just the energy behind this match. And just like you said, The Rock's punches, even though it's more of a slap, dude, I love The Rock's punches. And he has, like, one of my favorite punches in wrestling, the way he snaps his hips. and Oh, yeah, no, it's great. Uh, it's just, great. Uh, yeah, it's he's, just, yeah, he's it great. looks so good. Like, No one punches like The Rock. I love The Rock's punches. This whole match was just, in, like, exactly Kurt Angle's intensity. Like, I'm going to break your fucking ankle. You better tap, you son of a bitch. Like, he was so good. It was so dude, good, yeah. Oh, I was, I was like, dude, this match is fucking fantastic. And like you said, the crowd's still hyped after all this shit's happened. After the three stages of hell, Stone Cold and Triple H, the crowd is still goddamn on their feet for this match. Just the business was never shit. hotter, never hotter. And, and I think it's funny when uh, Earl Hebner, after Mike Kyoto gets knocked out, like Earl Hebner, when they're trying to help him, he just like kind of lets him hit the ground. He like half-ass saves him, and then they're like carry him as he's like limping away. And then he just fucking runs, drops him to go count it. And, like I, basically, I mean, technically, if he's actually hurt, if one guy just suddenly drops, aren't you gonna eat shit? Like I thought well, that was great. It's wrestling. Like, Come on now. He's like, fuck it. I gotta go get that count for the Rock. The Rock's not. The Rock's gonna be pissed. And then the Rock definitely was really pissed at the end because he really fucked up, which is hilarious to me. It is Just, funny. He, he was kayfabe. He was fake mad, but then like got real mad for real, for real when he really did fuck up the finish. But dude, this is great because like after the, he wins this, you know the Mania match after this, all time classic. Well, Everything. This pay per view. This pay per view leads into so much shit, like so much great shit. For sure. For sure. I'd say the height of the Attitude Era for sure. The, Dude, well, at we, least the we, height of we've WWF. Dis- we've discussed this. Like we, everyone says, like talks about the Attitude Era, but every 2001 pay per view, 2001 is the pinnacle of WWF. I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. Without I would say that like there were angles and things that I personally was more hype about, like 97, 98. But like if we're talking about everything, even like not only people being hot, like people being over with with heat. But also with, I mean, the angles that were happening and the and the ring ring work. Like, I mean, I will say that 2001 is the height of WWE as a product. Period. In ring, on the mic, all the way around, booking, everything was was great. I will say though, like, so my overall, if I had to, if I averaged out my my beer ratings, like, I mean, no way out won, but they won by half a beer. I mean, it, it wasn't. I mean, there were there were enough good matches on fast lane and enough bad matches on no way out to kind of level get close to leveling it out for me uh you know on this kayfabe comparison you know that's why we have three of us it can't be a tie 
Um, Jesse Baker, if you had to pick Fast Lane 2021 or No Way Out WWF 2001, where are you going? I mean, if I have to pick, I'm picking No Way Out, but I'm trying to go back through. Uh, let's get Wes's pick, and I'll let you know what my beer ratings actually say. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing, because that, honestly, that's what I always like to do towards the end of the show is, like, I like to just literally average out, like, a, like a school grade, like, what my beer rating was, because then it's like, okay, well, maybe I just was just in a different mood, maybe, you know, but if I'm actually giving it my true ratings based on match by match, which one was a better show, it's only half a beer better, but No Way Out is getting that beer that beer rating for me, and the, honestly, the whole overall rating was three beers, because there were some stinkers on that card, too. So it's it's a three beer. It's right there in the middle. But I would also argue, again, like Angle and Rock, probably one of both of those guys better matches, period. Like, I mean, so, you know, you can't take away from that. Sometimes you get lost in it, but I'm trying to be fair. So I will say No Way Out wins by half a beer. Wex, where are you at? Which one Which one wins? I don't want to have to agree with everybody, but literally my my beer ratings, like maybe by a sliver that no way out wins. Yeah, it's wild. Like it's wild. Barely. Mine, mine was pretty. Mine, mine, mine was pretty in favor. Of no way out. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Well, if I, mean, I add them, to, if I just, if I very simply add them together, yes. Oh wow. Okay. I mean, both yeah. of mine had a, uh, I had a six beer on each show. Or no, I didn't have a six yeah, it was beer. The same, it was the same amount of matches. So if you just did the adding together thing, then that would work. Well, yeah, yeah, barely because I had a six beer and then a five and a half on the other. Like it was literally just. Very close. Yeah, it was very close. Very close. Like, yeah. And we were also very close to WrestleMania, guys. Ooh, we're 20 days yeah. away. I'm super excited. And, man, like, thank you guys for joining us so much on this one. I mean, we definitely – I think that overall we gave the edge barely, no pun intended, to No Way Out WWF. I think that we, we were leaning a little bit more towards that 2001 vibe. Um, but – you know, we're not quite into WrestleMania season yet. We've got we got one more week. And, dude, guys, I'm going to go ahead and say, like, for season three, this is easily my favorite. Like, I'm, I'm, I've not been more hype about an episode that's going to happen. <laughs> we're going to be playing Pro Wrestling Jeopardy or Pro Wrestling Trivia, where myself, Wex Breakin the Lawson, and Jesse Baker are all contestants. And the goal is to be able to host our WrestleMania Super Show. And now, by the way, we are changing the WrestleMania Super Show because we have two nights of NXT TakeOver. And we also have two nights of WrestleMania. So what we're going to be bringing you for our WrestleMania Super Show is going to be both nights of WWE NXT against both nights of WrestleMania. I mean, it's probably going to be a two and a half hour long show. I'm like, go ahead and be prepared for the fact that that show is going to be a long one. It's going to be wild. But next week's show is going to be the return of the KG Cast Lush. I'm so excited about that. Cast Lush is going to be our Alex Trebek. He's going to be hosting a 30-question Jeopardy match, okay? We're all three going to be playing trivia as contestants. The winner of that of that show is going to host and lead and direct and do whatever they want to do with our big WrestleMania Super Show, NXT versus the main roster. I am super pumped about next week. Jesse Baker, how you feeling about the return? I mean, dude, you guys have never been on a show with the KG Cast before. 
That is true. That is very true. I'm excited about it. I can't wait. Uh, the trivia concept is something that I always super dig. I tend to do pretty okay at it. I feel pretty. Uh, I feel a little confident going into this one, fellas. Ooh, ooh, just cock laying out there, Jesse Baker over here. <laughs> cock laying out there, sharp, sharp as a tack. Wex, how you feel about it? Are, are you are you want to cut a promo here on these boys? Because I'm about to wreck that ass in trivia next week, boy. Hey, well, let me tell you one thing. I'm going to play a little Jeopardy on my Xbox, and I do a lot of wrestling in my spare time. So, you know, I can combine that thing. Two together in one, I'm going to get you the best motherfucking Jeopardy wrestling player you've ever seen in your goddamn life. I'm going to take you two motherfuckers down, and I'm going to be the goddamn rising to the top like the cream of the crop. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And we got one more nostalgia show before the super show. It's going to be WrestleMania 17. The show that follows this No Way Out show against WrestleMania 22. I'm super excited about that one, too. Honest to God, I don't think I've ever actually watched WrestleMania 22 front to back ever. So watching a fresh, also 15-year nostalgia show from 2006 is going to be really, really exciting for me. Uh, Jesse, what should I look forward to from 22 that, that you can remember? Man, I absolutely love 22. Uh, It's one of those that it's a very like it's a transitional phase for the WWF a little bit or E at this time. It's just one of those situations where I kind of forget about that period of time a whole lot only because of the fact that it was kind of transitional. But I mean, like Angle Mysterio and Randy Orton in a triple threat for the World Heavyweight Championship, like that alone, I, you know, rewatching that is something I can't wait to do. Yeah. HBK, Vince, No Holds Barred, fucking classic. Well, uh, naturally, it's Mr. WrestleMania. He can carry uh, a broom, let alone Vince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those situations. And an interpromotional Money in the Bank ladder match. I really loved when. Was that the first the one? I think it is the first one. The, um, I actually can't remember if it's the first one or not, but. I mean, No uh, Six seems really fresh for Money in the Bank. I don't know. I think I want to say Jericho was in the first one, and I don't think he's in this one. But alas, either way, it's still going to be good one way or the other. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a really fun show. And obviously, X7, I mean, fuck, you know, with the No Way Out show that we just covered, you could kind of get a little bit of a taste of what you can look forward to out of that one. Yeah, that's two weeks out. Wex, how do you feel about 17 versus WM22? Well, as you guys know, 17 is arguably one of the best WrestleManias of all hey, time. Hey, is it the best WrestleMania of all time? I don't know if we said that enough on this podcast. <laughs> Possibly. It could be. My opinion, I think it might be. But 22, if you guys listened to an episode about a week or two ago or last week, I can't remember, maybe a few, one of my all-time worst WrestleMania matches was came from WrestleMania 22, and that was Booker T., Going up against the Boogeyman. Well, Booger T and Charmel in a handicap match against the Boogeyman. So, I'm looking forward to that goddamn uh, atrocity when it happens. Oh, dude, I'm so pumped, though. We've got so much cool shit coming for you. And then don't forget, man, after WrestleMania, we the details are yet to come. We're going to blast them out on social media. You will see them everywhere. Trust me. Once we launch this Patreon, we just got to get some, some graphics in order. It's kind of crunch time here. We're getting... We're getting down to the nitty gritty. We need to go ahead and finalize what we're actually going to do for our bonus content here. But I am going to go ahead and tell you that two weeks after Mania is when our Patreon will launch. Okay, so that's 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 when that Sunday is when 
that will launch. Okay. It's going to be four ninety nine a month. That is the cheapest possible Patreon that you can subscribe to. It's five bucks a month. You will have a great time. There's going to be tons of content there. It's not just going to be audio stuff. Obviously I'm going to upload the video of us recording the podcast the night that we do it. We always do it on Tuesday nights. So you're going to get the whole show unedited, all of our fuck ups, all of the silly shit that we talk about. You're going to get that the night that we recorded on Tuesday nights, right? Not only that, but you're going to get all of my show notes personally from every single episode that's ever been on the show. That's that's the te- that's the blog portion, at least for, on my side. We're also talking about doing some potential um, bonus shows that are even outside wrestling. Maybe a real sports comparison show. Maybe we have uh, me and Wex kind of break down some football stuff. Maybe we get Jesse in on some hockey stuff. Um I mean, there, there's there's so many possibilities. We're going to try to give you as much content as we can, and we're also going to try to give you at least one exclusive um, show per month that's a watch-along of something that will be easy to watch. It's not always going to be WWE. Most of the stuff that we're going to be doing, uh, at least in the beginning, is going to be in on YouTube, so it'll be easy to kind of follow us along there. Um, but we've, we're really excited. Once we get all the details hammered out, as far as uh, the full package and how we're going to roll that out, we will definitely be letting you guys know. But the next two weeks of content and leading into WrestleMania season, there are so many reasons to be hype. And I would be remiss not to say fucking thank you guys so much. We just passed 20,000 all-time downloads for this show. I am what? so grateful for everyone that listens to this show. Yeah. I am so grateful. Like, dude, you have no idea how much we all really appreciate the fact that we can do this. Like the three of us are super marks and the fact that there are enough people to give us 20,000 downloads that care enough to listen. Thank you so much. I'm going to be the baby face here and be very real. Like I, I appreciate this. This is one of the, one of the most important things in my life. I just love doing this with these guys specifically. Thank you so much for listening guys. Tell them how much, how much do we love hitting 20 K dude? Yeah, we're goddamn excited. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, man. I mean, I can't, you know, that's fucking amazing. Uh, obviously there's a lot of episodes that before Wes and I came on, but, uh, you know, we've been, I, I can speak for myself and say that I've been extremely thrilled to be a part of it. It's amazing to be able to do this every week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It means the world to me. Yeah, man, we're hyped for those Patreon subscribers that are yet to come five bucks a month. Come on, let's get it. Wex, how you feel about hitting 20 K baby? Hey, it's fun. It's really cool. Even though we're probably only responsible for maybe like maybe five to maybe eight or nine K of that, you know, maybe, but still hey, pretty, pretty cool now. to be part of the pretty cool to contribute to, you know, the overall outcome of the channel. I mean, not the channel, but the podcast. God damn it. I'm I love it. Up. Well, hey, we're going to have everybody on next week. It's going to be the entire kayfabe crew with the cagey cast back as well. Boys, it's been a great one. Jesse, where can folks find you, man? At Jesse Baker Nash on Instagram and Twitter and regular old Jesse Baker on Facebook. Also, keep that eye on the Springwater Supper Club and Lounge social media. We got some announcements coming up about some shows and some reopenings and some things like that here in the next couple of weeks. Yes, I love it. Wex, give them the script, baby. Oh, you know. Y'all can catch me there on Instagram at Wex Breaking the Lawson. Over on YouTube at Wex Breaking Loss, where I do weekly AEW Dynamite reviews and a couple of little wrestling things here and there. And also, Wex Breaking The on Twitter, because I couldn't fit Lawson. His ex-girlfriend couldn't quite fit it all either. Oh, that's a different story. Here we go. Hey, 
You can always find me at Daniel Raybreak. You can always find the show at KFabe.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are super hyped for everything that's coming up. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys soon. We're out. Peace. Peace. Peace.